Hey everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Kellen's Petty Talk Show. On this episode, I got to talk to John Campopiano, Chris Griffiths, and Gary Smart, the creators behind Pennywise, The Story of It, a brand new documentary on the classic miniseries from 1990 based on Stephen King's best-selling novel. If you're interested in checking out the movie, it's available now for streaming through Screenbox. Be sure to go start a free trial and check out this incredible film. I've seen it several times already, and for someone that grew up watching the miniseries, I've got to tell you. This hits all the right notes. They bring all the cast and crew back to do interviews about the project. And there's so much incredible, never before seen footage from behind the scenes that I know you're all going to enjoy. As always, be sure to share this podcast like the plague so I can keep this thing going and bring you awesome episodes on your favorite artists. Follow on Instagram at Callen's Petty Talk Show to stay up to date on all the new guest announcements. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Happy August 1st, everyone. You know what that means? Halloween season has officially begun, but we're not here to talk much about that. We're here to talk about Pennywise, the story of it. How are you guys doing? Good, man. How are you? you, I absolutely loved this documentary. I've seen it twice already, and it's just, it's spectacular. So this this took you guys over five years to make, right? Yeah, probably six, to be honest. Yeah, six. I think we spent about nine months in pre-production i believe that's freaking incredible yeah when when did you guys when did you all first see the it miniseries in utero no (laughs) not not that early but i was little yeah yeah i remember it premiered here in the uk on a channel called sky one it was over obviously couple of nights that was would have been the premiere back in 1990 i watched it i remember then i bought it on vhs Wow. Double box set in about 92, I think it might have been. How about you, John? Um, I saw it. Um, I didn't see it when it first aired. Gary, Gary just turned 50, so he's older than Chris <laughs> and I. But uh, um, we, uh, I saw it. Uh, I rented it. So it was probably 93, whenever it first came out on VHS here in the States. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. I probably, yeah. I'm only, I'm only 26 years old. So I feel like I probably saw it. I mean, at least in like the year 2000, probably. I was super young when I started watching horror. 
So and me too. <laughs> yeah, I probably got it from Blockbuster or like my local library or something. I just don't remember. Um, but it was a big deal when it played on TV, right? Wasn't it like thirty million streamers or something? People tuning in. Yeah, it was pretty huge. I mean, it was, it was a massive TV event of its day. I mean, as we covered with Doc yeah. as well, you know, it was like, you know, it was kind of never really been done before on that level, really, with obviously with particularly the cast as well and, and the caliber of director like Tom Lee Wallace. So it was a pretty big deal. And yeah. thankfully, obviously, it came very successful. Especially for a horror movie in the genre, you yeah. know, and like as like a TV like series, it's it's pretty crazy. Um what is it? was like what a lot of people's it? gateways into horror films as well, wasn't it? Because oh, absolutely. Whereas kids yeah. weren't allowed to go to the cinema to see certain things, this was a lot of people. I imagine that quite a substantial amount of horror fans kind of gateway into horror because yeah, that was the sure. one they were allowed to access, which obviously in the cinemas they wouldn't have been. No, absolutely. I was actually thinking about Spielberg's uh, Spielberg uh, King's <laughs> Salem's Lot was a miniseries on TV yeah. here in the States like a decade earlier. Yeah. And it's so tame. I mean, there's no blood. There's no, yeah, yeah. you know, by, by comparison, it was pretty, uh, pretty tame, you know? So I think they kicked it up a, a notch. No, with, for sure. With this one. No, with absolutely. Um, what does it mean to you? Uh, for me, it's just, it's Tim Curry. It always has yeah. been. You know, when you think of it, you just think of Tim and, and that's a lasting memory as a kid, really, is that, is that clown. So, yeah, yeah I, anytime I ever think in the whole pre-production, production, post, as soon as you we talk about it, you know, on our emails and our instant messaging, what you automatically just think of Tim's face constantly. Yeah. So it's Tim Curry all over for me. It's just truly incredible. Um, how about you, John? Uh, it's definitely Tim. I mean, I think it's for me, it's like my childhood in a lot of ways. I mean, because I saw it so young, it was kind of one of the gateway films for me into into horror um mm-hmm. so so it's yeah it's tim it's childhood it's it's i don't know being a skinny kid growing up with asthma like and kind of relating to some of those kids you know and, and you know yeah. um so it's uh, kind of all that stuff yeah and the doc was released on july 26th and is available exclusively on Screenbox. for anyone that's unaware what exactly is this new streaming service and how can people find it chris Gary, <laughs> I'm, I'm never good at these ones. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> and it, uh, so Cynodyme obviously are working in collaboration with Bloody Disgusting. Uh, yeah. And they've obviously launched their own horror uh, streaming channel, obviously, you know, in the same kind of vein as Shudder and uh, Netflix. Yeah. And I think they've done a brilliant job. To We've been really lucky working with Cynodyme uh, and, and Screenbox. You know, the yeah. really kind of dedicated team people and the horror fans, which is great. You know, and Brandon, who John knew beforehand, yeah. Uh, who's been working with us for a certain time. They just, they seem to get what we were trying to do from day one and also get the market and get the community because the horror community is really kind of strange. We're all horror geeks, yeah. but it's really hard to get into because it's, you know, it's very kind of like tight as well. I think the community is. It is. So I think for us, I mean, the last few days, looking at the feedback Screenbox has been getting has been amazing. Really. I mean, it's great for us, obviously, because of obviously Pennywise. Yeah. I know John's got obviously his Pet Cemetery doc on there as well. Amazing. But I think it's just, I think it's an amazing new platform, and hopefully, it's just going to grow and grow and grow. I think you know we we've we've got on there the cusp of I think regards to Pennywise getting Pennywise on that platform. Hopefully, we're we're the first of many yeah. filmmakers who who join Cinedime and join Screenbox. No, absolutely. I know I was able to watch it. I have Amazon Prime and you can actually just start a free seven day trial and just watch it immediately by doing that, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, so you guys premiered the film at the Columbus Theater in Providence, Rhode Island. How was the reception at the first showing? 
Uh, it was really positive. Yeah, we did like 80 tickets. It was almost a sellout. Um, nice. And people seemed really excited about it. We had people come from New York and, and other places, um, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had our, I mean, our first real true premiere was in Spain. Uh, and Chris was there for that at Sitges uh, Film Festival. And then it played at, in London oh, wow. okay. at Fright Fest. Uh, this was last October and November. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, no, I think, and it seemed like it was well received. I'll let the guys speak to those screenings. I wasn't there for those, but I think it's been positive. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Chris, you were to Spain, obviously, the initial premiere. It went down well. Yeah, yeah. It? yeah. No, it was, it was, yeah, it went down really well. We had two screenings there. The first one was really good. The second <laughs> one was good, but then a secret uh, big announcement came at the same time. So it's kind of like, where did everyone go? <laughs> um, but the first one got, <laughs> but the first one really got um, a nice reception. Um, got to introduce it and everything and actually the odd person you'd encounter um when you told them what you know you'd done they're like oh they really really liked it so it was good to get that and then fright fest was a really good uh response as well actually and it was like a huge screen at fright fest as well like yeah, you like yeah, IMAX or something yeah. wasn't it and you're like oh shit sure, we should have done this in 4k damn it <laughs> also there's a lot of fans out there in spain of pennywise yeah, so at the Sitges, uh, the film festival, it's like, you know, it's heavily um, leans into the genre. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, there was quite a few documentaries there amongst, like, some of, like, the premieres for Halloween Kills and whatnot. Uh, so you had ourselves there with Pennywise and you had uh, another documentary on, like, found footage. Um, yeah. But in both instances, there was good turnouts, to be honest. And I think there's, with the horror genre, um, there's quite an appetite for retrospectives and documentaries, which is why we do them. Oh, so um, good. Because too. we love the yeah. films. <laughs> but I think as, as fans of the genre, you're, you're always inclined to want to know more. If you love it to a, you know, a certain degree, there's so much to kind of unpack with all these films. Um, but yeah, that's why we love doing it. There's been so many cool horror docs in just like the last five years. It's been really cool to see. I think it's really weird. The last couple of days, it's like there's been, I know, thankfully, John's got obviously unearthed uh, the Pet Cemetery dog on Screenbox. It's great yeah. obviously, to connect the two. But there's been a few reviews where people are going, oh, this is a really brilliant doc called... Uh, you also call Brewster, and then yeah. we're making a connection that we did that as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did that. I know it's about four yeah. of them. Yeah, there was no connection at all about that we're the same people. I mean, John wasn't with us then, but now John's obviously heavily involved in all our future projects. But it was kind of seems a bit weird that you know, but we love the genre <laughs> and we love. See, we've been doing this for about nine years, borderline ten wow. years. Yeah, 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 ten years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love both of those docs. I actually have the Pet Cemetery one on Blu-ray. It's it's awesome. Um, you should you should really get the Brewster one as well. Is that is that one <laughs> on Blu-ray? I know I've seen it, it once, is. but is it, it on Blu-ray? It, it's on Blu-ray and it's a ridiculous price because it kind of was limited. So if you give okay. me details after, I'll get you a copy sent over. That'd I've be got, sweet. I've got, yeah, I've got a few in the garage here. I don't tell anyone. I'd Oops. love it. I'd love to add to the collection. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get it over to you. Would you say this one was a step above those docs in terms of the amount of time it took and the difficulty of capturing, you know, the overall spirit of such a beloved miniseries? I think for us it was a different beast and I'm, I'm yeah. sure John will echo this when we did Leviathan and we did Brewster we were very much independent you know we were kind of underground you know and, and documentaries were allowed to be like that back in the day you could be underground you could get away with just you know being fans making projects professionally of course but also then selling them at conventions and online and and I think what happened was a big shift it, whilst we've been making this project yeah been a massive mm. shift and for us particularly, that journey has massively changed. So we've gone, I don't know what to word use, legit. We've gone obviously official in, in regards to our distribution. 
yeah. i.e. we having to do lots of steps and hurdles in the sense of fair use, lawyers, insurances. So I think that itself has made this project kind of really kind of like a massive, massive task. Um, yeah. We've learned so much on it, you know, and I think having John, who is an archivist, has been a massive, massive help because, you know, when we're going through a fair use assessment and there's things that need to change, John can just pluck things out pretty quick and obviously make sure it's all legal. And I think Chris's creativity, I think it, put, it pushed Chris into a corner in terms of obviously the project because it has to be at a certain level. And I yeah. think he's just blossomed, Chris, has in regards to as a director and an editor. Uh, so, cool. so it's been a weird journey for us and we've got to do it another three times. So <laughs> I'm a bit worried about it, but I think we've learned so much. Yeah, so it's kind of elevated us, I think, in regards to our filmmaking. And I'll, I'll stop talking a second, but also I think in terms of the length of our projects, you know, we were always, me and Chris talking about yesterday, we were always going about length, length, length. It's got to be yeah. seven hours, it's got to be six hours. This yeah. has made us realise that it's about being pacey, succinct. It's going to be yeah. you know, not repetitive. It's going to be, we came saying, like, we're giving gold all the time. Is it, is it valuable? So that's massively changed our outlook, I think. I mean, I'm sure Chris and John would agree, because if not, <laughs> I wouldn't be happy. No, for nah, sure. Well, yeah. The, the movie. Absolutely agree. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I, mate. I was just going to say, it has a great flow the whole time. So the way it was edited, too, is just beautiful. But go on. <laughs> You've got to make some sacrifices, I think. And I think in terms of the length as well, I think for all of us involved, it was like, what direction are we taking this documentary? Because there's so many aspects you can kind of unpack with it. You've got the original book. You've got the source material. You've got then uh, the coulrophobia area we explored. You've got uh, childhood fears was another area we explored. Yeah. And at points, I think there was so many conversations because I wasn't part of the initial edit. It was John working with um, our editor, Nick, uh, you know, for the foundation. And there was a bit of like this back and forth. Of, okay, are we going to focus more on this? Are we going to focus more on that? There's, you know, like I said, so many elements. And it just kind of somewhat organically happened, I guess, like by version 2400, I think we were on. I don't know by about <laughs> last, this time last year. Um, and that was kind of quite tough as well. I mean, we, we probably got about over 30 hours worth of raw content. That's, That's not so to cool. say it's 30 hours of absolute gold. It was just kind of like, okay, and you've got to be smart. You can't just chuck things together. There is an art to having like one point counteract another point and, you know, it all rolls nicely. And did someone say that already? And you've got to manufacture some elements as well, to be honest, because someone might not have said something a certain way. But um, I think that was a big factor, to be honest, is where it was going to go narratively. But it all did come together in the end. Yeah, even though it takes years to hone the whole craft, like it's really cool that you guys have so many different skill sets and you're able to bring so much to the table in all the different departments. I think that's awesome. Um, pretty good team. Yeah. Uh, Gary, for those who don't know, what is your role as the producer on the project? Like, What, what aspects of the project do you handle? So uh, right from the beginning, really. So uh, I yeah. kind of, I know John had already reached out to Chris, mm -hmm. but I engaged with John Ben at the very beginning about obviously what our next project was going to be. And we came, obviously, we decided on Pennywise. Mm -hmm. Then it's really kind of working with different people. So I work closely with John in regards to accessing the, the talent to make sure they're on board. You know, it's mm -hmm. also the fundraising, uh, getting funds in. Uh, it's obviously then organizing the shoot with Adam, our line producer, uh, obviously worked close with Mikey Perez, who's our kind of US baseline producer. And then obviously then during production, it's literally 
to a degree, putting a bit of pressure sometimes here and there, working with our other producers, Hank Stars and Lawrence, who kind of came on board, working with Cynodyne. Uh, it's, it's lots of back kind of like office stuff, which ends up being a lot of kind of like negative suffering. It's not the fun stuff like these guys get to do. It's kind of like when, when someone's moaning that they haven't got their perk after three years and, or someone, <laughs> you know, we can't find the release for and I'm chasing John and John's like literally working his magic or archive or, or Chris has had a tantrum yeah. because he's lost some sound files. It's kind of, it's that really. Um, <laughs> It's, it's, like, it's like having children, basically, and John yeah. and Chris are, are my children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure so you're you... covering a lot more than you thought you were going to get here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure I'm sure you had guests or whatever that probably, you know, took a long time to get to, right? Are there, are there any people that were really, you know, giving you the cold shoulder for a while before you were actually able to nab them? John's your best person for the sense because John you know, being a loser himself, literally. He was the, <laughs> being an official loser of the actual loser kids. I think John John was really key for this kind of process. I know we had difficulties, John. Yeah. So I think it was very, that was much, normally I do that on the project, but John, this was John's baby in terms of that. So John can answer that. That was your department. I mean, I think we got, we got fairly lucky in terms of people being willing to participate. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, it took a while to get Tim Curry to con- be confirmed. Um, but you know, once we had Tim, I feel like everybody sort of fell in place, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. we never got a netto tool. And I think Chris mentioned on a different interview that, you know, there's always, there's always one or two maybe that you don't get for a project. Yeah. Um, but by and large, everybody was, was pretty easy to work with and, and didn't take much convincing, you know, to get involved. So, yeah, I was listening to that interview. You went to her, I think Broadway play or something. And, and she was just like, nah, I'm not. I'm good. <laughs> Is that what she said? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. There, <laughs> I mean, John, John. John's the biggest stalker probably in the world. So yeah. John's probably John's probably in a garden at one stage, probably in the pool, <laughs> yeah. and he was yeah. in a bush way. That might have done it. It was that approach of jumping out of the trash can, wasn't it, on the sidewalk <laughs> that didn't work? Looking like Oscar <laughs> the Graph, like hello. <laughs> Yeah, that might have been too aggressive. And, and he was dressed, so he was dressed as Pennywise as well, wasn't you, that John? I, I was. Yeah, I thought that would. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, I had flowers. It didn't work. Yeah. It didn't work. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, always, there's, always, there's always a couple of people, and that, that's just unfortunate. And I think, you know, we I yeah. will say that publicly, we do everything we possibly can to Absolutely. get these people. I mean, it means everything. But, you know, just skipping a little bit, regards to RoboDuck, it took us five years to get Peter Weller, and that was five years wow. of constant negotiation, letdowns. And to convince him, and that, you know, we never gave up. And people sometimes will go, Why is that person not in the dock? We have yeah. tried. We have tried. And well, and especially with King, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, people, you yeah. know, I got that on the Pet Cemetery doc. Well, did you, did you try to get <laughs> King? Yeah. Of course. It's like, Oh, I, I hadn't even thought yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, it, it is what it is. And I think a lot of people realize that King really doesn't do these interviews yeah. anyway. So it's not as if it was something that we weren't. You know, it wasn't at our, our fault necessarily, but uh, anyway, yeah, we got lucky on this project. I, yeah. I was actually, I was just in Maine a couple of weeks ago. I got to visit his house. There's, there's like 20 people at his house at every given moment. It's, it's really? insane. I think it's funny if we did say actually at the very beginning and we don't normally do say this, but we, I think when John and I probably initially spoke, yeah, and obviously Chris was obviously involved and obviously Adam. I think we said if we didn't get Tim, we weren't going to do it. Was that right, John? I think we were kind of say. Yeah, I have a memory of that too. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Wow. That, you know, because he's so important to this film. I know everybody is, but because he is it, he is Pennywise. He's that face you remember. 
Yeah. And after we know, obviously, that obviously, unfortunately, you know, he, he's not, he wasn't well. But yeah. I think we said, you know, we'd respect his wishes. But when he said yes, it was like, shh, we've got to get this done. You know, we didn't have a choice then. We had to start. And that snowball, as John said, started getting bigger and bigger and bigger uh, because yeah. Tim was involved. And I think that kind of shot a lot of people. Tim was going to be in it. Uh, and we, we, up until the day of the interview, were still doubting it. I remember sitting, mm. uh, I'm, I'm going, going back and forth, sitting yeah. in, in a little cafe or something, 20 minutes an hour before the meeting, going to interview and we were all crapping ourselves thinking it's not going to happen yeah. we're going to turn up it's going to be some strangers had pen his tim curry it's, you know it's going to be some loot some guy dressed up as you know as, as legend oh, sorry i thought you said tom yeah. curry yeah no so he kind of um tim made a massive you know he, he kind of made this stuff for us and obviously yeah. Bart, obviously with the, with the footage as well what did it take to convince him did he like see some of your prior work and was he just like oh, okay i, I think john sent some new pictures to him and I think once they were sent, um, <laughs> John, John, what, I don't know, John, what, what did you say? Because it was, I, I, again, I vaguely remember stuff about like, you know, I think he spoke so much about Rocky Horror, so much about, yeah. you know, that, you know, right. and Furt, and I think people were so focused on Rocky Horror all the time. People don't talk about Pennywise, <clears> yeah. really, do they? I mean, the kind of, I think sort of the unsung hero for us getting Tim was a guy named Lance Kirkland. Okay. And Lance is in LA and, and he, uh, he does a lot of talent signings. He rep- represents a lot of a lot of talent and stuff. And and I had gotten to know him, and it was kind of like nurturing that relationship with him, like over almost a year, to where he felt that we were legitimate and good people and serious about the project. And then he vouched to Tim's personal agent, and she handles all of Tim's affairs. And so once he gave his kind of thumbs up to her, yeah. then it really opened the door for us. And I remember actually, you might've been on the email here. I remember being at work and getting the email after he, Tim confirmed. Okay. And we said, well, can we start publicly saying that he's attached to this project? And she said, sure, go for it. Yeah. And then yeah, I think that's what, yeah. that's, that's what the media, you know, the media latched onto that right away. I think that's, that's why cool. the crowdfunding campaign was successful because the, the headline was Tim being yeah, a part yeah. of it. You yeah, know, the green light. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah. we were told by a lot of people, and you, and you know, you get a lot of, you build a lot of relationships with different filmmakers, you know, a lot of independent filmmakers. And I think a lot of people will tell us, "You're not going to get Tim," and I think we've had that a few times in our projects. You know, we had it on RoboCop as well. You know, we, you're not, yeah. you can never do a documentary on Robo, and that kind of makes us want to do it even more when people say no to us. So, um, <laughs> and I think when you know when people say you can't get him, I think John tried everything to get him, and and it worked. You know, and and as a fan of him, a Tim it was just an amazing experience to be around him, you know, um, in his home, let alone being at a convention hall with him yeah. to be actually in his living room. You know, it's just amazing. Sometimes you need people to doubt you just to give you that extra push though. You know, that's why I always doubt mm-hmm. Chris. I just think, you know, if you criticize <laughs> him, he'll work harder. <laughs> so, that's how he that's does called it. abuse, but you know, I'm <laughs> used to it now. That's the producer's um, role. I'm not sure if you said this already, but uh, for Tim, did you have to fly him out or were you able to meet up with him somewhere to do the interviews? Chris, you can tell your story. No, yeah, yeah. yeah, how did that go? Oh, well, I, left, <laughs> I, left, I left my phone in the um, 7-Eleven beforehand. I was cracking my pants so much. Yeah. I remember that. We had parked outside. Oh, I forgot about we got, that. Yeah. We, oh, yeah, we, yeah. Did, we did his interview in his North Hollywood home. And like uh, the boys were losing a little bit then when, when you get those big ones, you know, and that's not to play everyone else out, but you know, when you've got the head honcho, you know, the face yeah. of a film yeah. or a notable character, there's always like, it really feels like no, we're, as you can hopefully see, we're a chatty bunch. 
But trust me, you can hear a pin drop for about an hour before we got to an interview. A couple hundred toilet breaks as well within a matter of minutes. And yeah, so nervous that I'd left my phone on the side of the 7-Eleven. So we parked outside <laughs> what we assumed was Tim's house. You know, yeah. we weren't guaranteed. It's like, well, this is it, right? This is it. Yeah, and then it's just like, shit, I've left my phone in, <laughs> my phone in the 7-Eleven. <laughs> and so, yeah, we, we, yeah, that so indicates like how, what a big uh, moment it is for us. But couldn't have been more welcoming. We got in there. You had um, some of his people were there. And I think it's one of the few instances where we had a platter laid out for us. We had yeah. like cold coffees, orange juice, pastries, Danish, wow. you name it. I was like, oh my God. And you're like, oh, I'll pocket some of them for later. I'm too scared yeah. now. And um, yeah, he's very, he very British, wasn't it? You know, the reception, wasn't it? <laughs> really, it was kind of <laughs> yeah, red carpet, you yeah. know, yeah. everything like that, trumpets. But they um, couldn't have been more catering to us. And I think there was even like about a 15 minute window when we we're actually in the house where it's like Tim's just getting made up now, and we're all yeah. just there like. Yeah, yeah. Is the lighting okay? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, he came along and he just went straight away, like right into it. You know, there was no wow. awkwardness. He was fantastic. I think the what was one thing I'm really glad we got to use because it, it when I say about repurposing elements of interviews for these documentaries, what yeah. we really love now is utilizing those candid moments of people. It yeah. seems to be more common where you get like laughs and you can integrate them in the right place, but. One of my favorite uh, inspired moments in the edit was um, where they're talking about, oh, we were a bit conscious of Tim wearing the makeup uh, and how he would take that. And it cuts to him going like, oh, that's okay. I can bear it. That was actually the first thing he said to me when we did the interview. It was kind of like, okay, for this interview, you're going to be looking at me. Sorry to tell you, Tim. He's like, oh, I, I can bear it. And then that <laughs> actually got remanufactured into that part of the documentary. So that, the minute you gauged that was his humor, you know, he was all game for it. We just, yeah it was like instant wasn't it so yeah really good but just nerve-wracking <laughs> he's truly just an incredible person you know after all the stuff he's gone through in the last couple of years the fact that he's still out there meeting fans and doing the virtual meet and greets and stuff it's just it's truly incredible and uh yeah, so he, he, he couldn't have been so he couldn't have been more welcoming as chris yeah. so he just couldn't have been and you know it it was just an amazing experience being somebody's house and because the rest of them were done in studios the rest of the were we had a studio hired in LA you know on green screen so to go to his house as well uh and be made to feel so welcome mm-hmm. uh, that was you know, that was just an experience I will never forget regards to you know all the projects we've done yeah. uh it's just a very amazing thing because everybody know they also don't know you know you can tell the type of person you are by the by the Tim Curry film, you know, or recognizing from, <laughs> is, is it going to be, you know, Treasure Island or is it going to be Home Alone or is yeah. it going to be, so everyone Congo. knows it, Congo, Congo, yeah. Here's one, uh, the, the Wild Thornberries. Do you know the about that? Thornberry. You did the voice, yeah. didn't you? The dad, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. blew yeah. my mind. I didn't know yeah. that until a couple of years ago. I was like, you yeah, kidding Yeah, yeah, I remember that at the time, yeah. I watched that. Do you guys remember, do you remember trying to get him a bottle of red wine on our yes. way to his house? <laughs> I, had, I had messaged i had messaged his agent we're like we can't show up empty-handed what what is tim like and she's like italian red wine so it's like nine in the morning and we're going to all these liquor stores in burbank trying to find yeah. like a good bottle of red wine <laughs> we, we, we blew the budget on the wine didn't we <laughs> we might have yeah <laughs> yeah you're probably like i don't want to get him a cheap one you want yeah, to get that him like a it. good one and that, but that yeah. was the panic as well in the wine store I remember going to this wine store we were panicking yeah. about how much do you spend on someone like I'll drink crap from like the shop costing like two quid, you know, but it's like, yeah. you don't give, you don't give Tim Curry, like, you know, kind of like, you know, the a cheap box, a box of, of wine, 
yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wide with, yeah, the, yeah. with the little taps on them. Right. <laughs> yeah, That's hysterical. It was, uh, yeah, but I know we're digressing, but it was just, it was just an amazing experience for us all, you know, and being all of us being fans as well. Yeah, big and time. Be, being in his presence. I just remember when he came in and we were literally shaking, and he and he's come in and he's just. <laughs> He asked me and John a question, actually, which I repeat, but he put us on edge a little bit, and then he's kind of mellowed out a it, really. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, brilliant. He seems like a really funny guy, too. Just probably always cracking jokes and stuff. Yeah, he's got a very, very kind of sly sense of humour. Very yeah. witty, sarky kind of humour. A bit like us all, yeah. really, to be honest. So Like a bit sar- of, sarcastic, yeah. too, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. It was like, yeah, it was like... Um, yeah, it was a very strange experience. <laughs> That's so cool. Have rewarding. You, have you guys been in touch with them since? Only, I think we've been, not directly, obviously, because we weren't directly in touch with him in the first place. We've obviously, Chris, yeah. John said with his management, uh, I mean, he's not obviously someone who's on social media and stuff, like some of the people we yeah. do, you know. So uh, he's been very kind. Of, he was very kind in terms of the uh, Indiegogo campaign. He was very kind in yeah. terms of obviously some promotional stuff as well. I think he was he was originally invited to the Sitches Film Festival, but obviously again because yeah. of you know um, long long distance traveling, he wasn't allowed, he wasn't able to go. Sorry, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we've not needed to kind of engage him too much, to be honest. And you, and you don't want to engage with someone like Tim because yeah, you don't want to push it. You know, uh, yeah. I think once you've got somebody like him on board, yeah, we just we're grateful that he's on board. And I think you don't want to you know try and milk it too much uh, unless yeah. you really need to and we, we, we've not had to because the doc sold itself in terms of yeah. you know um you know the the trailer and obviously the footage that came out i think it kind of and tim being in it that sold it enough for us yeah that was, that was a stamp of approval and i'm sure if he hasn't seen it yet once he does he's gonna love it because you know it just couldn't have been any better in my opinion like that was as good as it gets for a documentary especially in like the horror genre i mean it was, it was perfect you guys so no, good appreciate it <laughs> It's nice, yeah. To, yeah. It's nice to hear the reviews because after like five yeah. years, and and we know it's been a long time. We know it has. You know, yeah. we, we open our, you know, put our hands up constantly to that, and we apologise to people who supported us from day one. Yeah. Uh, to hear, to hear, see the reviews of last week. It's like yeah. you're always you're always scared when you when you click on that YouTube video or click on that <laughs> link. They think, oh, what are they going to say? I, I'm just so kind of like overwhelmed really by the support and even yeah. when there's been some very very slight criticism it's criticism which is like you know it's not long enough oh okay yeah. you know no one's saying it's rubbish <laughs> no, yeah. it's just not long you know and i think in we kind of asked for a better review to be on reviews and, and fans yeah. you know it's been it's been very touching for us all considering the, the stress we've been through the last oh man yeah absolutely years. and i mean it was well worth the wait though like you know, I'm just a big fan of documentaries in general, but it was it was really cool to see all the the unreleased footage that we haven't been able to see all these years. Like even like the footage of him like on the the, the pole and stuff, like looking into the camera was so cool. Like that was but that I was mean, one of my favorite parts. But that was I mean John will tell you that was Bart, wasn't it, John? You know, Bart Mixon. Yeah, it's all all Bart Mixon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bart's amazing because he, you know, he's worked on all these films. I mean, you should look at his IMDb page. I mean, he's, he's a legend really. Yeah. Now he's working on Marvel, Marvel movies. I mean, yeah. but yet, yet he's so humble. I mean, he's a fan himself and, yeah. and he has this amazing archive from all of his films and they're open to people. You know, if you're working on a project, he just wants his stuff yeah. to be seen. He just wants to talk about these films and that's, that's rare. Yeah. That's really rare. Really to find rare somebody. Yeah. I remember him saying, um, I'm Friday night. He said, you know, what's the point of it? Just sitting in an album in my archive i want yeah, people yeah. to see it and as john said 
that is so kind of because I think again as the documentaries have progressed over the years anyway in general you know from right for you never sleep again to now yeah I think people are latching on really that, that maybe there is kind of like an opportunity to make something from these projects yeah. for the individual sometimes but someone like Bart doesn't care about that he just wants his work out there and you know and again why would you take a photograph 30 years ago and have it just shoved in an album mm-hmm. you know would he have dreamt 30 years ago people do a documentary you wouldn't have you wouldn't have thought it back then so i think he's really touched by us no, touched and humbled you know and we've worked with him three times now with about uh, four times sorry we've worked with him robodoc trite night yeah. pennywise and robert england documentary so he's right. become very much a feature of our, of our work um <laughs> i think the next time we do a documentary if he's not involved with it we'll bring one as an expert i think yeah, <laughs> yeah, just to, yeah. just to get him involved yeah, honorary sure. producer yeah, yeah 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 stay tuned for scenes from the conclusion of stephen king's it tuesday night it's 30 years later and right on schedule the killing start up again six so far maybe more it's back and it's mad take your pick billy boy something bad's going to happen to one of us get out of dairy while you still can i'm going back in this time i'm gonna kill it something's coming the thrilling conclusion of stephen king's it tuesday night yeah, like I just wanted to reiterate, like it's it's so freaking good, and I'm sure you guys see flaws in your work, but like, you know, to the viewer, I couldn't I couldn't find one thing I didn't love about it. Honestly, it was so good. Thank um, you very much, Mike. But no, uh, thank you. I'm kind of curious though. Does Tim Curry have any props or costumes at all that he kept from the miniseries? I don't believe so. Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. I imagine, I imagine Tim was one of his, his, well, he was, wasn't he? A jobbing actor, really, you know, he, yeah. he's in so much things. And I think what, what we realise as filmmakers is we love these films and you kind of think sometimes that people are going to love them as well. Now, something mm. like Pennywise, the loser kids would love it because they're children on set, you know, for yeah, them it's sorry. a massive experience. But some of the actors, it's a job. They come on, they make yeah. friends and they go home. And I think sometimes we kind of expect them to be, you know, gushing about the movie and remembering everything and having props and having yeah. photographs. And I go, no, I didn't take one single photograph. I, <laughs> I, I, but remember that time when you did this because we were told you went to this restaurant? Can't remember. You know, I can't remember what happened yeah. this morning. So, and I think I think we kind of realised that. But then you get people like, as you said, you know, like Bart. You get people like, um, you know, some of the loser kids who had albums. You know, Adam had yeah. an album of like of hundreds of photographs. Marlon did as well. That's that's wow. kind of again really kind of like unique, I think, a little bit that people. Yeah. That that it's the parents, isn't it? Yeah. That's what yeah. was exactly. the biggest. Like, yeah. it was massive, massive blessing to us. A that we've got John, who's just a professional archivist, stalker, bin dweller, whatever it is. You know, like <laughs> collating all this stuff. And then obviously, one of the biggest hurdles we had as well at times was the legal, as Gary had alluded right back at the start. Um, <laughs> for other projects, you're like. Shit, we haven't got anything, but we were yeah. so lucky with how much stuff we had, yeah. and that everything that we inherited from these people, there was no legal to it, you know, aside from obviously the you know the sign off. That we just had this yeah. hundreds of photos that hundreds we I think hundreds, much yeah. utilized about ninety percent, if not more. And if anything, we yeah. haven't used; they're just duplicates, the same photo, just in a different angle. Yeah. Um, and thank God we had all that. And going on that with the kids, as Gary said. For a lot of these people, you know, they appreciate it. And Tim, you know, hopefully it showcases in the documentary. He's proud of what he's done, you know, and the impact he had on that character as well and how much he, he owned it. Mm-hmm. But for them, it is a job. All right, here's my next job. 
I'm in makeup again. I'm doing this. Cool. Done. Yeah. On to the next. But for all the kids, you've got all their parents there. So yeah. I know John saw a lot of the photos, uh, like from their parents or, you know, via them. Right. So of course, it's like, oh my God, it's their first job. <laughs> and yeah. they're just taking loads. So you kind yeah. of think, right, next project in order to guarantee we need a film which features kids and then <laughs> hope that their parents right. sounds wrong, they? Uh, have a wealth of content that they can bring. So we, that was a very, like, integral part, I think, to the successes mm. documentary was just that we had so much good stuff to play I with. Th- I think you said, you know, with makeup people as well, you know, makeup people, because it's that passion for makeup and effects, mm. and they're all geeks themselves, they're all horror geeks, you know, your Bart's will open it, your Steve Johnson's, you know, your Norma Caveras and your Greg's yeah. and that kind of, they all kind of, you know, they will have albums full of images. Now, some of them might have vanished over the years, but when we did the Hellraiser, it was exactly the same thing. You know, the makeup crew, just thousands of images coming out of nowhere, Polaroids and albums. And I think, so you're really lucky that we had the cast of children, as John and Chris said, we had parents very engaged and very much proud taking photographs. And we had a very yes. makeup-heavy film as well. Yeah. So you got that candid shots and makeup processes of the children behind the scenes of Tim, which you'd never, you wouldn't get from some films, you just wouldn't get it. You know, if you didn't have a heavy makeup movie, you just wouldn't get it. So it's kind of, it's, it's those jigsaw pieces all coming together. And, you know, and for us, it's gold. It always is gold. Mm-hmm. I think the makeup people, it's like, that, that, those are like, that's like their resume. You know, yeah. either they're, take, yeah. they're taking photos for continuity for the next day, or this is just how they're documenting their work. And so, yeah, yeah they've been a gold mine. And I think to that, to Chris and Gary's point too, like I found over the years with these docs, it's like, you know, the main talent from these films are great to get and you need them for these projects. But oftentimes they're so isolated on set. You know, they're kind of whisked from their trailers to the set. They shoot their stuff. Mm-hmm. And or over the years, they've been doing conventions or stuff or they've got their shtick. Like they've got what they say about the, what they remember and that's it. But it's oftentimes like the people on the productions that you don't really think to talk to, like the grips, the script yeah. supervisors. These people are like the ones that often have stories nobody's heard before or they were flies yeah. on the wall for stuff that a lot of people didn't yeah. see yeah. or they've got photos. Um, They're there so, every day as well, aren't they? You know, like the clapper load right. is there every single day, the script supervisor. Whereas, yeah. you know, you said Tim's there on a, you know, say six-week shoot. He's there for, you know, a week, two weeks max. Whereas, you know, someone like yeah. obviously the, the first AD who we had on Pennywise right. is there every single day of that shoot, every single day. And... Preparing the order of the scenes within the doc must be like a really tedious task. Like what, what was the editing process like and how much had to be cut due to like the time restraints? It must be like <laughs> hours of footage, right? <laughs> there was a lot of late nights. Uh, between yeah. John and I, like five o'clock in the morning here, and about God, what, like one o'clock in the morning, um, in yeah. his neck of the woods. And it's like I said, I think initially the the thing, we, the unique sort of situation we had with something like this is there's so many different mediums and areas to unpack, in uh, unpack, sorry, of the the Pennywise legacy, as I said, the book, uh, the TV, the TV movie, the sort of the legacy of that. And fortunately, we were sort of just in production at the time the remakes were coming out, or the new the, the movie iterations. And we kind of just sort of thought, right, this is we're, we're keeping to this area, the original, you know, miniseries. Yeah. And, and then, of course, yeah, it was just okay. We're gonna have this bit on colophobia. The question, you know, the questions that John had written up. We had um, 
what was your childhood fears? We asked everyone, which luckily has been mm. made into a bonus feature now. So there's about an hour's worth of extra content. Uh, oh, to be yeah. fair. So if anyone's like, oh, it's too short, it's like, well, <laughs> there's a reason it's short or, you know, shorter than you might have anticipated because it's got to be tight. But yeah. we made sure to sort of expand upon things in the extra features and not scrimp, you know, so they're fully produced. They're not just like, you know, here's what's left on the floor. Um, but it, as Gary had said before, I think it's about, making things tighter our hellraiser documentary the original one on one and two was nine hours long <laughs> which is like oh that's big what? i can't say i've ever i don't think i've ever actually watched it because i didn't edit it we did revamp them for the arrow release afterwards and i much prefer those versions to be honest which are three yeah. and a half hours between the two films yeah. but it really is that thing where is you know if people get a bit antsy about oh well it's not x amount of hours long it's like it's more important to have something that's slick and fun and you're not going to miss a great amount of details. There were some things mm -hmm. that went to the wayside, which have now made it into the bonus features, uh, like yeah. local cast and crew. But when you're watching a documentary, you, you want to kind of keep up the momentum. And that's what it was all about. We, in fairness, it was Hank and it was Hank, wasn't it? Who yeah. advised us, one of our producers, like, Oh, Netflix do X, Y, Z. And we're like, well, we don't care what Netflix do. This is how we're doing it. But <laughs> gradually that kind of information, we sort of sucked it up. I went, okay, 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 fine. Let's, let's just go with this approach. And you do find when you go over things a number of times, you're like, actually, if we just take out this bit, yeah, that bit of that, it does kind of go, actually, I'm still hearing the same story told. And it's, yeah. it's a yeah. bit like I always use the analogy of like Twitter or whatever. You've got to say something, but you've only got X amount of characters to say it and have you ever been in that situation where you're writing a tweet and you're like duh, 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 duh. Oh, shit i've exceeded the characters okay i'm going to go back over it and see if i can still say that same thing in a less amount of words and i think it's the same approach to editing it's all about how can i just you know provide that information in as slick as possible manner so it was tedious and then there was the legal fun which as uh, gary said yeah. thank god john came whisking in with you know working through the archive materials for me, myself, it was an opportunity to actually think like, oh, God, that's, this is absolutely buggered. Ooh, what if we do this? And some creative ideas came out of that panic situation. So a lot of hurdles. And I think, as Gary said, because this has now become our first legit <laughs> big, you know, official release, yeah. um, we have had to go through certain processes which we wouldn't have had to have done on our earlier projects. So... Yeah, it's very challenging and very stressful and a lot of hours, but yeah. the payoff in the end, especially, you know, hearing the feedback like from all you guys, it's like, okay, yes, we did it. You know, oh, might you have lost did. a few hairs, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think if it, had, if it had been five hours long, I mean, we would have isolated a lot of people. You know, I think I think at a certain point, this, this doc, for me at least, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel, but it wasn't just about fan service. It wasn't about just like, let's make this as long as possible. It was like, let's make a really tight film you know, yeah. and like make it so that maybe somebody who is maybe lukewarm on the miniseries or maybe is just into Stephen King will sit down and watch it and not feel like, oh, I've got to sit through, you know, X number of hours. Um, you know, yeah. so I think, you know, Crystal Lake Memories and all, you know, those are docs about franchises. You know, this is a doc about a miniseries that yeah. took up four hours of television, but was actually more like three hours of content because of all the commercials. So, you know, yeah. It, I think we did it justice given the time, you know, that we, we used. Um, I think you said we, we'd learned from yeah. our previous mistakes as well, as Chris said. Mm -hmm. So with Leviathan, we kind of wanted to be Never Sleep Again. We wanted to be, but that's seven films, yeah, eight films with the, obviously with uh, Freddy versus Jason. And that's five hours. I think it's like six hours. 
mm-hmm. and we did you know nine hours thinking we were clever uh and what happens is it's repetitive i mean we've got we got 54 people saying that clive barker's a genius i mean we know he is why is he 54 people and i think john <laughs> luderson occurred on which was really interesting what john said and i think what happens with actors on films which are pop which are cult films mm-hmm. is that sometimes the stories they tell aren't their stories they've heard them at conventions and then they've inherited those stories so we on leviathan we had people talk to us about makeup and scenes which they weren't even involved in and we we're asking them questions about it, and they're going oh this happened on this day and this so well actually you weren't there so when you're in the documentary there's pe- people I'm not saying you know irrelevant but talking about things that they've heard secondhand let's go to the source and ask them you know let's just get doug bradley talking about the makeup and pinhead and jeff porters we don't need 15 people doing it and i think it could have been that we could have made that mistake, mistake again on pennywise just to get the length we could have got 40 set well how many people do we interview 50 people all talking about tim's makeup mm-hmm. the most important people on tim's makeup is tim he's obviously bart and he's mm-hmm. mark who's the producer and jim and, and obviously tommy they're the most important people. It's not really what the kids think of his mate, other than he scared them. And you don't need seven kids saying that you got scared from Tim Curry. So I think, you know, again, you talk about obviously the journey we've been on. That's a massive learning curve that we've, we've done. And we do now, and we've been editing yesterday, Chris and I, and, and John's doing remote editing with us. And we're learning that now on our current project that, you know, keep it tight, keep it relevant, keep it interesting. You know, don't, you don't need to have, people just talking for the sake of talking because you want to stick someone's face in it. You know, you, yeah. want, you want that person who recognises. There's an absolute art to it. I've really yeah. enjoyed the editing. Well, uh, yeah, no, no, careful I'll say <laughs> this. I have enjoyed the editing, but sometimes I've absolutely despised it. But I am really enjoying editing more uh, these days in terms of like the narrative. I mean, well, because we haven't been able to take any new interviews, uh, thanks to COVID, you know, for subsequent projects. But I'm really enjoying the storytelling uh, aspect of mm. uh, editing at the moment. And it's, it's like having a jigsaw puzzle, you know, and I just love artists. There's something about it. Like, oh, actually, if you, oh, if you put that there, oh, if you put, oh, wait, none of that works. And yeah. there's some stuff, you know, Gary was saying, John's probably seen in terms of the evolution of the edits. Yeah, you watch it once. I'm like, oh, yeah, it works. Well, we were doing And you go away from it. Yeah. And then you come back to yeah. something, you're like, Oh, and I'm wait if you are, oh, and, and there yeah, is, yeah. you know, and we are mindful of that as well because much yeah. as people might not notice it at face value, editing is supposed to be like somewhat subliminal, you know, mm-hmm. to an audience. Um, it, it is there, you know, something's got to bounce off, and there'll be times where I watch, you know, I my eye and ears, my eyes and ears are now more in tune for stuff like that. We're like, hang on a second, how have we jumped from this topic to that topic? It needs to have a flow. And it's the, the challenge with these things. In so much hindsight when it comes to editing, I think, we're like, shit, why didn't someone say that exactly like this? You know, and then that's lessons learned for the next time. But you've just got to be really clever about how, okay, this piece goes there, but that will I, I reinforce think, that, and that book ends that. But I think projects evolve as well. I think, you know, as you're doing them, because when we set out to do, I remember the initial conversations about Pennywise, we were trying to be very clever. We wanted yeah. to do a documentary, which was not a making of Stephen King's It. It was a look at the cultural impact of Pennywise the Clown, the clown yeah. sightings, how Pennywise himself, the character, had influenced the fear of clowns in the last 30 years. But actually, when we got people sitting down and we're talking about the makeup process, we're talking about key scenes, we're talking about funny things on set, it evolved. So that made it maybe slightly more difficult as well, I think, in regards to the edit on this project, because... What we set out to do is not what we actually got. We got we actually got something better, a lot better. 
it made more traditional in terms of a documentary. If you look at our original poster for Pennywise, one with the balloon with Tim's face, behind it is all about clown sightings. It's all like little newspaper cuttings about, you know, the, the clown sightings in, in New York and, and in, mm, in, in yeah. America. That's what the documentary was supposed to be about originally. So I think Chris is right, but it's so hard to get the narrative in your head yeah. beforehand. And I think we've, we've struggled with that and it's evolved for the better. Yeah. And it's really cool. Someone sits in front of you. You don't know what they're going to say. You, know, you may have a bit of trivia in the database, but actually you don't know what they're going to tell you. And actually you think, and I think you, I'm sure the lads will agree when you interview people as well, you start seeing it in your head as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. when we did Robert, mm. something just he said, you think that would work perfect. That's really good. And I think you start mm. becoming, as Chris said, you, you get more tuned to it and you start listening to what people are saying more. Um, but it's hard to control somebody what they want to say. That's the most difficult thing. And as Chris said, you, you come back now and you go, God, why can't we ask them that? Why can't we say that? So it's how you manipulate the edit to a degree. So again, yeah. it's, well, it's, well, they it's said the even. right thing, but in the wrong way. That's the worst yeah. thing is when words yeah. overlap each other. Or yeah, we, we transcribe all our interviews. <laughs> yeah. 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 You transcribe yeah. an interview, you're like, oh, we've got so-and-so saying this at 1 minute 47. And then you go to it, you're like, oh, bollocks. So, yeah, and you don't realise until you edit as well how words overlap each other. Like, yeah, they really cool, go yeah. fast. So you think, yeah. And all of a sudden, this happens. Cool. But you actually watch the interviews. Like this. All of a sudden, this happened. Like, you can't cut someone off mid-sentence. So hindsight's a bitch. But uh, you know, I think uh, we, we've we've made the best of what you know what we've got, and I'm really happy with. What oh, we've I'm really proud, yeah. And I think we're Absolutely. just we're, we're going to constantly mm-hmm. evolve with these things. To be honest, now lessons learned from this, certainly some of the previous projects, um, and going forward, I just hope we get better and better with it now. No, and I, I can't wait to see all the extra footage. Like, is that something we have to wait for the the Blu-ray le- release for? Or is uh, I, I think I, I'm not sure. We we, we did some of it's on iTunes, yeah. I think, right? Really? Okay. On, yeah. on there? I don't know. I mean, we submitted about three or four featurettes, didn't we, to iTunes, okay. like, to Cinedime yeah. to use for iTunes as an option. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I think as Chris and John said, there's an hour's worth of cool. bonus material. Uh, really nice, as Chris said, succinct. Pro- not just a load of crap put together. It literally is mini features you know professionally yeah. done they look great and john worked really hard with with chris on that regarding again a narrative fine-tuning it uh and they'll be available on the blu-ray once the blu-ray is released awesome. once the blu-ray is released which yeah. it will yeah. be released <laughs> now i'm dying to see all that extra stuff for sure um do you guys relate to any of the hardships the kids faced in your childhood chris was fat <laughs> yeah <laughs> thanks Gary <laughs> John had asked me I was probably just the cool kid I probably was I was probably one of the cool That's ones awesome. probably. I, had a, I had a mole there and I had it removed yeah <laughs> no, I probably I probably uh, more towards uh, Pennywise yeah children no no I don't know that I does go about right you do snatch yeah. us young lads you know to come and work on your projects actually <laughs> I don't know with me. I I, I, I always like Stan's character. I don't know why I like Stan. I mean, you know, he, he, he chickened out at the end when he when he was older. But I liked his character more, I think, when out of all the kids. And obviously every like every every likes Bill, don't they? You know, everybody likes him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't I, I I I can't recall. Mm-hmm. I know John, you said about obviously about um, Eddie. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I was probably a mix of Eddie. And a little bit of Richie, you know, like the class clown. I was always getting in trouble. Richie, yeah, yeah. Really? Forcing around. Oh, yeah. I never would have thought that about you. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. You can be careful, John. It's always the quiet ones. <laughs> it's true. 
Yeah, I, like, I like Eddie. Yeah, I like I like Eddie uh, uh, Richie. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, thinking about him. Obviously, I like you know a little bit of a joke and whatnot, and taking the mm-hmm. mic. And I think he, yeah. It's crazy that the uh, the mini series should have been an eight eight to ten hour mini series originally. Uh, do you think it yeah. would have been even better had it been stretched out more, or do you think a lot of aspects of the book could have been included? I think it really depends on what who was directing it as well. You know, yeah. I know in the documentary we cover obviously but night two and. I never mind night two to be honest. I know people, you know, in the doc, they do say they don't think it's good as night one. Um, yeah. But imagine if that was eight hours, you know, and, <laughs> and if, if people people don't like yeah. night two, imagine what if it was night eight? No, yeah. it would have been. Uh, so I don't know. I think I think I, I got a lot of affection for the original, a lot of affection. I still prefer it to the remake. Yeah. Can't call it a remake, can you? It's a retelling. Yeah. I prefer it. I think, you know, obviously there's advances in, in CGI and makeup, which is great, but I just, I just really, I think a lot of people like the film because as, as John said, it's about your childhood, isn't it? You know, when you first watched it, I know you watched it a little bit later yourself, but yeah. you know, if you're a kid in the eighties being brought up and obviously in the nineties, it's so important to you. That film was, it was a gateway, as Chris said. So I, I don't think it would have, I, I think if it would have benefited, mm-hmm. I would have liked to see what I, Romero did. That would be yeah. interesting. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think if it had been an eight part, I mean, the way that people consumed media back in those days. Yeah. It's not like now where you have a streaming platform where they either drop all eight episodes or they, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah. If you were expending, if you were expecting people to show up eight weeks in a row. Yeah. To see this. And if you had missed one, you're fucked because you can't go back and like rewatch two part yeah, two. Yeah, to see true, yeah. yeah it was like, an, it was like an event. Yeah. I don't know that it would have worked. I think now yeah. it would have worked. I still think it could have been a 10 part, you know, it would have been interesting to see Mushietti do a 10 part, oh, yeah. something for like Netflix or Amazon, you know, and, and really tell that story. But because there's so much source material, you know, but yeah. Um, you just want to see the audio. It's a new iteration, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, just yeah, but, but again, I, I don't think that's warranted the new one as much as I love the film. I don't think you need to yeah. tell that story. I think it, Pennywise's mm-hmm. story, I know he's been around for like, centuries, but it's told where we know it, do you know what I mean? And yeah. we know what happened. Yeah. Why why go back, you know, eight years it was supposed to be or whatever it is. Well it's not it's not King either, is it? I take no, it. It's, it's, I just find it, you know, it's kind of they've, they've latched onto a good character. I'm not sure if, if the same chaps come back to play the character, I don't, I don't know. Uh you've latched onto a character you've made successful. Mm-hmm. But you know, I prefer that version of Pennywise, and I know Tim can never play him again. But mm-hmm. do something new then with it. Do, do if you're gonna do it, do something mm-hmm. fresh. Don't go what you've already done in the remake. Do something fresh. You know, maybe use that version it's slightly different. Mm-hmm. That's more scary to me than the remake version of Pennywise, because that is innocent. Mm-hmm. And you look at him, and then we talk about the doc. I think Bart sums it up really. It's funny because Bart then so funny because Bart talks about the makeup. Talks about obviously you know it shouldn't be kind of like you know distorted only when he's obviously evil. But obviously yeah, the remake yeah. came out and suddenly the makeup's really kind of distorted, you know, and dirty. And then, yeah. then, then funny enough, Bart worked on part two, and didn't they need some makeup supported on part two? So, mm-hmm. but I think, I think, you know, it sums it up for me is that, uh, no, I don't, I'm, I'm completely gone off on the tangent now, but um, <laughs> I rant about it. Yeah. You don't need to do eight episodes, and I don't think you need a prequel series. You don't mm-hmm. need it. Yeah, no, for sure. I'd rather have Pennywise versus Michael Myers. I'd rather have that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pennywise in space. Yeah, <laughs> Pennywise. Uh, yeah, Pennywise. Pennywise. Art <laughs> the crown. Art the clown. Yeah, it'd be good. <laughs> and John, John, I know. 
John, I know you're a collector. Uh, you own one of the screen used costumes, don't you? Two of them now. Two. Okay. Which ones? Yeah. Is like anything in particular? Um, let's see. The one that I got in Vancouver, um, both mm-hmm. from Monique, who uh, was the costume designer who we interviewed for the doc. Cool. Um, she gave me one in Vancouver and it, it seemed to be kind of a slim fitting one. And then a couple of years later during COVID, I got an email from her. She said, I'm retiring wow. and I've just cleaned out my storage. I found another one. Do you want it? I said, you know, hell yeah. Sure. Yeah. So she <laughs> mailed it to me and it's, it's really wide. It's really big. Yeah. A lot bigger than the other one. And I met, I remember messaging Bart and being like, why do you think this is? And he's like, I have no idea. Maybe it was for the stunt person. Yeah, in the in the in the photo album where they're doing the cartwheels and stuff, they needed more fabric to be able to move around more. I don't know. Uh, um, and Monique didn't remember. Okay. So, um, yeah, I've got them hanging up in the closet. So the first so one was nights. first one was a little hard to to pin which scene that was then. Oh, no idea what scenes. They yeah. were. Many, no idea. I don't know how many costumes yeah. were made for the film. I imagine it would have been. Yeah. She yeah. thinks they made three or three or yeah, four yeah. for Tim. Yeah, something like that. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I love that you guys included that clip of the girl with the colophobia or colrophobia, as I say, yeah. um, <laughs> from yeah, that TV homophobia. special. I used to see that always on like my YouTube recommendations, like growing yeah. up. Oh, really? I've seen that video so many times. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we got to keep that one in actually. Yeah. I think, I think we're pretty proud of that section. You know, I think that that's oh, actually yeah, one yeah. of the more interesting Dude, sections fantastic. of the doc. You know, I, I don't think if anybody's sitting down to watch that doc is expecting Tim Curry to talk about, the clowns he saw as a kid, you know, in England. I mean, I think that that's a pretty unique little section that I'm glad but, that we. But it's also did. important to what what Pennywise is, you know, Penny. Right. Stephen King's it affected so many people's view on clowns. That clown itself yeah. affected people. So it was so important. I think, you know, it was a creative decision all of us made was to have that section in and have the clown expert because mm-hmm. what even what Seth says about it as well about this cultural impact. You know, this is more than just a TV series because people know that clown. And I think what we, I'm glad we had it in. I think it, it really elevates the documentary as well. I think it does as well. A bit more classy, I think it makes it off. It helps it transcend just the making of because uh, something like clowns and the cultural impacts kind of warrant that academic approach. Mm-hmm. And that's where you do feel a little bit like, oh, we're actually transcending just the making of here. And actually, yeah, I agree with the boys. It is one of my favorite things. And the archive stuff we got as well. Because actually there were yeah. some things that we couldn't end up using. So again, that was probably one of mine and John's uh, late night sessions of like, right, yeah. we need we need we need old clown footage, something that's like XYZ. And like <laughs> we were very lucky with what we ended up getting, to be honest. Um, no, yeah. it was some really rich content to be honest. I, and I love it. I think that's probably that was a cusp for me in terms of now going forward with projects of like, oh, yeah. yeah, we want some, you know, integrate some real world stuff. And, you know, and on some things yeah. a little bit out of context as well, like utilizing, you know, 1950s footage and everything like that. It's just, it's so much, it's way more visually rich than Richier. just, you know, picture, picture. See, that's what, that's what made it so interesting. That's what made me keep watching it is all the different stuff that you interwove throughout the documentary. It just, you know, it was hard to turn it off because there was so much to learn about it. And, you know, even about the kids, like being kind of like assholes during some of the scenes, like that was yeah. really interesting to hear, you know, you never would have thought. One thing, one thing for me, and I'd be curious to see what Gary and Chris think about this, but, um, you know, when I did the Pet Cemetery documentary, Justin and I, my partner on it, you know, we were kind of afraid to, to, you know, highlight the flaws that the film had, you know, we didn't, whether yeah. we didn't want to piss off, we didn't want to piss off Paramount <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah. And I remember kind of in, in hindsight being disappointed you know with that and, and i think for me at least i really wanted to make sure that we talked about 
all the flaws that the miniseries mm-hmm. series has. And it's it been interesting and actually kind of rewarding to see some of the people in some of these reviews talk about how they've appreciated hearing people like Richard Thomas talking about maybe how, you know, how bad his performance might've been in a scene or obviously the spider, you know, I think, I think yeah. that, that for me, I, I, th- I, I think, I think I'm glad we did that. You know, I think we've saved the spider. I genuinely think, you know, I think there's no point in glass over something, which people have been talking about for years. Yeah. We you know, know that's doing, universally we, hated a little bit, but we're doing it on Robo with the Dick Jones at the end with the big arms, you know, we're doing yeah. exactly the same thing. It's not, I think you've got to be very careful about criticizing because this, our projects are celebration of, of the work. Yeah. But in that yeah. celebration, you've got to be honest, you know. And I think what we've right. shown and proven in um, Pennywise is that it's not the maker's fault why that spider doesn't work. Because when you see the behind the scenes footage, you see what it can do, yeah, and how amazing. great it was. Yeah. There's budget issues, there's obviously lighting issues, there's grading issues, there's like yeah. editing issues. And I think hopefully we've kind of saved that spider's legacy a little bit because yeah you know again as a kid i didn't care but i thought it was scary you know it was a big giant spider yeah, totally yeah and criticizing and going how come it's not moving you know it was a giant creature do you know what i mean and i, and I really like the fact that we've got people like tim weed going it's just a fucking puppet you know what i mean we then we've got far himself going you know i tried my best and we see the footage of it and i think we've justified yeah. it a little bit and i think yeah uh, yeah we, you've got to be real on these things and we we learned, to be fair, in terms of like structure, I'll, I'll give credit where it has to go, is um, Eastwood, Alan, who's working on uh, like Robodoc with us, the co-director of that and editor. Yeah. It is a great term that you've got to keep locked in your head. It's the shit sandwich approach. So yeah. it's like, okay, here's something a little bit nice about this particular topic, but then let's be honest and go this one. And then you can counteract that. You know, it's 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 all it's a delicate balance. But I think like the spider in particular, it's, it was really hard to not sit down with some of these people and go, so the spider, <laughs> but hopefully what the showcase is in the dock um, yeah. is what could have been, you know, yeah. there is actually some, you know, some light at the end of the tunnel, I think. And go, Gary's nailed it. I think it really is that we've hopefully kind of yeah, given people the opportunity to kind of maybe look at it from a different angle now of what could have been. And especially when you look at like the behind the scenes footage and how the mandibles and everything was so, you know, you could articulate them so much. And actually yeah. when you watch and the, the final cut, it's just this thing bouncing up and down like yeah. that, a couple cuts to the head. So it's, it's just circumstantial. And I think, you know, not that there'll probably ever be an opportunity to, you know, re-edit it, but I think it shows, it makes your mind wonder like, oh, wow, can you imagine if it was just cut in a different way? But yeah. wouldn't it be boring just saying how amazing everything is? Just wouldn't it be boring and just and, and just stroking egos? And I think, yeah, no, you got to you got to let them know. Yeah, well, we're doing it. We're doing it on Robert's doc. You know, we're talking about. Yeah. You know the. You know, is it a blessing or a curse to be Freddy Krueger? Is it a blessing or yeah. a curse to be that kind of role? And I think we're doing. I think we're learning again. It's like with Pen, with Fright, with um, Hellraiser. It's all about how amazing everybody's in Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. How it was brilliant, and it's like actually, there's lots of flaws in that film as well. But yeah. again, it's a shit sandwich, Professor Krista, because you still celebrate at the end. We're not damaging Warner Brothers's, uh, you know, uh, property. We're not saying that Pennywise, uh, or sorry, Stephen King's it, the TV series, is crap. We are not saying that. We wouldn't, go, we, we wouldn't have done this journey if we thought it was <laughs> rubbish. What we're saying is, there's obviously things that, because of the time, because of budget, because of pressure, that. Things had to, you know, be sacrificed. And and you, Tommy Lee White says himself, you know, he was away doing another film at the time. 
and yeah. whoever did the grading of it and the lighting of it just completely would not have done it the way he and he'd love to go back and do it. So hopefully this may one day get a new release of, of Stephen King's It and yeah. Tommy can go back and do director's cut, you know, because he be says awesome. it publicly, he'd love to do it. So maybe that might be the way forward for Tommy. Kind of like again to finally, you know, fix it. I yeah. hope so. And I still think it works better than that spider at the end of the remake. And I'm ripping it. Oh my god, I know I'm ripping yeah. the remake a lot, but mm. it still works better. Yeah, I, I know just, for sure. I just you know, and I, you talk to the cast as well. A lot of people said I think it would have been brilliant, really, is that if the spider when it dies, it would have turned to Tim Ben. And I think yeah. that again is what could have been, you know, that would have been so interesting. Yeah, that would have been cool. If uh, I think we did some artwork actually for the doc, and, and, and I'm sure it's a giant spider with Tim's face. It's a lot like the character from the remake, isn't it? You know, yeah. we've done that yeah. like two years before, but um, but no, I, I, I'm really happy that we've gone down that approach. And I think, as John said, it's nice to read the reviews, yeah, for part two, section. yeah. And I think yeah. people actually say in the reviews as well, actually, it wasn't that bad, really, you know. He, I think it's one of those things that people criticize for sake of criticizing it. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth, you know, I, I think as a kid, the, the spider mm. was super effective and honestly, you can appreciate the flaws this many years later because it is what it is. You know, it's a movie, yeah. it's a, it's a series from 1990, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you know, there's so much they could have done and, you know, I can appreciate it. Um, is there anything that you guys would change or add to the, the mini series? If you were able to go back in time and change aside from anything we just mentioned. Um, and do you guys have like a like a preferred like part like do you like the first half of it more than the second or yeah i think i think most most people like the first again being a child at the time you, you yeah. kind of connect with the kids don't you so and it is more fun okay with the with the kids the structure of part one is really good as well but yeah, yeah I, think, I think it that, that, that's what they missed in the remake as well is the non-linear <laughs> narrative approach yeah. which i think really works for that you know is yeah, part, part one, one yeah back and forth and everything works, yeah. um i think the scene i would like to have seen uh and i think we talk about it in the doc as well and i know he's sounds really kind of gross but bringing bringing georgie back mm. home and i think that would have made that because yeah. you kind of get the impression they never you know they kind of it's gone isn't he but yeah. i think to bring him back and see the mom I think he puts that that would have made it real strong that loss as well of for for uh, you know for Bill and for the family and actually mm. how vicious Pennywise because you don't really see what he does in the film do you Pennywise mm. you don't see him rip people's arms off like you do in the <clears> remake <throat> but yeah. to see I mean little Georgie little kid in his in, in in on the fireman's arms you know with his arm off I think that would have I don't want to see the orgy. I don't want to see turtles. Mm. I think that kind of thing. I'm really glad that again we found that. John, I think, you know, I think it was Patrice told us about a scene, wasn't it? I believe. Then obviously Sharon. Was it Sharon a name? I'm very bad with. Yeah. Found the script page then. You know, it's like just there in front of us, his script page was. And obviously our artist, Gareth, recreated it. So, yeah, going back is the. I would have preferred to have that scene. Yeah. And even though. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere, yeah. And even though they were like limited to what they could show on TV, I do think it's what you don't see that makes it so Which scary. they shot, right? I, I mean, I truly think so. Like, it didn't need to be some gore fest. It, it actually just... worked the way yeah, it was. Yeah. And as a kid, like, like, as you guys said before, you know, Tim's portrayal of Pennywise, for whatever reason, is scarier than the newer one just because he's just, he's just this, this normal clown face, you know, yeah. like. And he just, you know, transformed into all, all these these nightmares <clears throat> that everybody has. I mean, it's, it's that thing, isn't it? If you were Georgie and you looked down the sewer and you saw Tim and you looked <laughs> down and you saw Bill, 
to, are you going to go to really? You know, and that's the whole point. It's juxtaposition, isn't it? Of, of Tim, yeah, the bright yeah. colours, you know, yeah. the smiling face. You know, I know that tip Bill's version is supposed to be childlike, but it's still yeah. very kind of like, you know the old Victorian costume, which is dirty and the cracked yeah. makeup. But, you know, I just think they got so much right in that first film, uh, first series. Sorry. Um, yeah. But there's loads of things you chat. I mean, there's loads of stuff, isn't there? I mean, the spider, you'd make a little bit better, maybe. <laughs> you know, but... Yeah. Um, so with this doc being crowdfunded, how challenging is it to explain to people that making a movie takes time and that you sometimes have to wait for those perks? Gary? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can think that. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I'm going to answer your other, I'm going to answer your previous question so we can avoid answering that one for a minute. Um, <laughs> no, I, I will just say that in the book, in, yeah. in the novel, uh, Pennywise well, turns into Bruce the Shark from Jaws, <laughs> which I don't remember the context yeah. because I haven't um, read the novel in a few right. years. This is obviously I would have loved to have seen I mean, that, right? That would have been I openly yeah. admit that Kings of Big Jaws put our fans, hands so. up that we were very naive would have been rad to this see project that. because we based the whole project on the success of Leviathan and the success of Brewster. Mm -hmm. uh, they were very, they were difficult, but they were easy projects to a degree because they were done in literally a year. Roll over them two documentaries were, yeah. you know, we, we were finishing one whilst filming another, releasing one while editing another, and it worked brilliantly. So when we went on to Pennywise, we kind of thought we could do the same. What our mistake was originally was doing Robocop straight away after it because Robocop became so, so big. You know, it yeah. became this massive mammoth tat project. And I, I do think it kind of it affected Pennywise a little bit because there's only a very small team. You know, even though the Robocop team is a little bit different, it was only really like four or five of us who work on these projects and we work full time. Yeah. And I think then, you know, with Pennywise, when we got, became more official with it in terms of obviously having other producers come on board and the idea was always then to release it officially through an official you know, outlet distributor, that meant obviously then legal distribution. And obviously that just, that just pushed everything along. COVID did affect us and people you know, so don't use COVID as an excuse. It, it affected us for two years, you know, because we had people who were working for us outsourcing who actually couldn't do us the favours we were doing us before, who may have done you a few weeks' work on some score or maybe done some editing for you. These people lost their jobs, so we had to then get, get paid work from other people, and we were doing very much deferred payments to a degree on, on, on the original. So, you know, and, and we put our hands up. I think we made... It's taken a long time to do. Uh, it cost... You know, we raised 26... I think £33,000 we raised an in initial Kickstarter. Take away all the fees, it's about twenty six. We pumped another 30 grand of our own money into it, our own, you know, our own company money from the profits from Leviathan and Brewster. And then since then, it's cost us another about 60, 70 grand it's cost us. I think totals about $150,000 wow. it's cost. So it gets frustrating for us when people, I mean, last year, again, because of the delays, the criticism yeah. we had was that we were basically, we'd taken people's money and ran off with it. And people were saying that, you're thinking, well, have you not seen the trailer? Have you not seen the 200 behind the scenes photographs of us on, on in a studio with the cast and crew? Yeah. It was the worst con ever because we spent our own money as well. You know, we're the worst con eyes by spending our own cash. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and now it's been released. Obviously, the criticism is that people haven't got a physical copy of it yet. And obviously, people expect yeah. it to have that first. 
but there's no way we could have distributed this and got it finished without yeah. Synodime's help. There's no way we could have done it in that way. And obviously, they're a streaming platform, you know, so we have to, we're contractually obliged to work with these guys. They've been brilliant in regards to the Blu-ray, brilliant, you know. They, last, when we were first, you know, selling this you know, on the market and pitching it, a lot of streamers did not want to do a Blu-ray version of it. They didn't see the benefit and, and the value of doing a Blu-ray. And we we really had to fight for that. And when Syndyme came on board, you know, they were brilliant. They were absolutely fantastic. And they saw the value for the fans. And they knew we had 200 backers who we had promised a Blu-ray to. Yeah. So so it's been it's been a very long process. You know, I think we've made mistakes. And I genuinely admit that. We did, a, we did an update the other day and I've put my hands up. We can't apologize anymore, but mm. at the end of the day, when people contributed five years ago to this project, they contributed, I would have hoped, to be part of it and to make it happen, you know, to, to make that documentary, which nobody else was making, yeah. to make it happen and to have their names on it and to be part of that process. You get a reward for that, and that may be a pin badge, a T-shirt, maybe a DVD or a Blu-ray, but the fundamental thing is you're making that thing happen in the first place. Yeah. So, and we've had some brilliant feedback off some of the people from the Kickstarter, the Indigo Go, the last few days, saying, you know, I'm so glad to be part of it. I'm so glad it's out. And, you know, I'm part of that legacy now. I'm part of it. My name's on there on the credit list saying thank you. Yeah. Of course, they want no Blu ray. Of course, they do, you know, but they're going to get it. And as soon as the Blu ray's in our hands, it'll be shipped out immediately. You know, that's going to cost us as well, you know, because we raised 33 grand six, five years ago. That money went in the first six months, you know. And, yeah. I, and, you know, last thing I'm going to say about it, Chris, Adam, John, me, you know, uh, Mikey, we haven't, we don't get paid for this. You know, we don't, we don't get a salary, produce salary and make 500 grand on a Kickstarter campaign and pay ourselves a producer salary. We don't do that. We've put our own personal money. You know, Chris has, John has, I have recently actually put our own money into it and it's going to take a while to come back. Mm-hmm. Our reward is getting out there, and that's genuine. True. And that sounds really kind of like cliche. We love this film, we love the series, we love Tim, and it's there, and we can't be any prouder. Having a profit is going to be great when it finally happens. Mm-hmm. We've got, but we've still got composers to pay, we've still got editors to pay, we've still got, yeah. you know, producers who've come aboard since the pay, we've still got rewards to ship, you know, let alone having Blu rays, you've got to ship those across the world. So, you know that's that's all. Yeah, that's the last thing I'm going to say on on uh, on Indiegogo. Other than we appreciate everybody's support, their patience, and if anyone wants to blame anybody, just blame Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, everybody, everybody should appreciate how hard you guys grind, though. Like seriously, it's it's incredible how much work and <clears throat> time you put into this. It's it's insane. We, we have genuinely had sleepless nights, and that's no word of a lie. We've had rows. Yeah, and we we you know we're the other side of the world from John, and I'm, I'm not even close to Chris regards to location. And yeah. we've had blazing rows because we fell out because of it, because everybody's passionate, everybody wants it done, everybody wanted it out, and you know, and there's been difficult times for us all with it. Yeah, and if we weren't serious about it, we wouldn't have given monkeys. We would have just gone, you know what? Let's not release it. And I know Kickstarters have done that. People have done Kickstarters and gone, didn't work out. That's the risk you take. Bye. Yeah. We've never done that, and it's taken five years. We know, but it's there and it's done. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're going to see it. But thank if, you for your five pounds. <laughs> if uh, if Jonathan Brandis and John Ritter were still alive, what what do you wish you could ask them? John, Ooh. boy, 
I'd like to ask Jonathan about the mole. <laughs> Did it ever fall off? Um, I think it's, it's the shenanigans from... Um, oh, oh, God, my, his name's just escaped me. Quick, but, uh, uh, <laughs> his name's just completely gone. Oh, John Ritter. Yeah, yeah. John Ritter. Because <laughs> you heard about like the adults, the adults being worse than the kids. Yeah. And I know he was a bit of an instigator of that. So that mm-hmm. would have been a good laugh. Like, to tackle... I mean, actually, to be fair, most of them threw their hands up, didn't they? Um, the other guys uh, certainly sort of allude to it, but I would have wanted to hear more. And actually, the fact that with his character as well, um, Ben, is that the fact that it was him and Brandon were, as everyone else said, the ones that weren't the closest in resemblance. No, so Actually, really. how he tackled them. And that's one of the great things in terms of the doc and the people we've got in it and the story is actually yeah. the, um, the synergy between adults and kids. So it's how almost have that full set, whereas we're lucky we've got a couple of them to kind of, you know, say, this was yeah. what I was like playing the character as an adult. This is what I was like as a kid. But just to have a little bit more of that would have been absolutely amazing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting to see the, the whole nail-biting thing they added in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean, never we, realized that. We we, 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 would, you know, we really wanted to get Harry Anderson as well. We wanted to get him, but obviously he wasn't well at the time. Obviously, he sadly passed away during production. But uh, I just want to quickly mention a couple of people before John answers his question. But, you know, we had, you know, we've lost some people during the production of this. We lost Gene Warren Jr. We lost Gabe. We lost um, somebody else. I can't remember. No, um, um, Brent, 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 Brent Baker. Brent, 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 fucking Brent, yeah. And he was brilliant, Brent was. You know, he's got, mm. died very young, Brent, you know, and Gabe did. And I think, you know, I hope that, you know, I know they, I know they never got to see the project, but... Mm-hmm you know we did it for them as well and obviously very important to us and they gave us their yeah. time and now that you know their legacy is part of this project and that's not being soppy and i think it's the same regards to to jonathan brandis and, and to mm-hmm. john you know we, we try to honor them we didn't want to go over the top because you can get really kind of you know you get the music playing you can get the the photographs i think we've done it in a very nice way where they're yeah. acknowledged um and, and you know and they're very much part of that story really mm-hmm. and you know you look at jonathan it's so sad and tragic what happened to him yeah, uh, Jonathan Brandis. Um, yeah, and what future he would have had in film, you know, and TV, really. You know, I remember mm-hmm. from Sequest as a kid, you know. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So I usually so end this. Uh, say what you were saying, sir. Oh, I was just going to say what, what's kind of nice to that point is that um, I think a lot of the surviving relatives of these people um, have already seen it or are planning on seeing the doc. They're, they're aware, like Jonathan oh, Ruiz. That's cool. Uh, widow Amy and and Greg Brandis, Jonathan's dad. So um, it'll be nice for them to see it because I think we did sort of pay a nice tribute to the to those yeah. to those guys. No, you absolutely did, and like you said, you didn't overdo it. It was just it was the sweet spot. It was perfect. Yeah. Um, but I usually end this on this like silly little speed round. I have like a bunch of just random questions, and I just ask you guys and give me your best answer. Um, oh man. So- so who, <laughs> who's your favorite kid? It doesn't have to be that quick. Uh, who's your favorite kid from the Losers Club? Richie tells you. Yeah, sure. He likes oh, there, there's the dog. There's the he dog. Likes <laughs> I like, you don't have to uh, bark about it, Gary. Jesus. I like Stan. I don't know why. I just like Stan. Eddie Kasparak for me. Perfect. Uh, favorite horror movie? Return of Living Dead. Hell yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hell yeah. Jaws for me. Of course. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, you have that great uh, filming location guide, which I actually used when I was there a couple weeks ago. Oh, I'm good, man. Oh, I'm glad people are using it. That's awesome. It's incredible. Super detailed. Very cool. You guys should check it out. 
that was my idea. So was there? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No. I made John do it. I made John do it. John, um, I'm, I'm there right. I'm John. John, I'm there right now, mate. What are you on? Oh, you're, you're on the video. Oh, there he is. I'm actually, I'm actually in the vineyard. Yeah, I'll come up and see you now. I'll hop That's a ferry. Awesome. I'll come see you. <laughs> uh, what's all your favorite foods? Pizza. <laughs> uh, steak. Burritos. Uh, this is a weird one. I'm Mike. Our, our producer, Mike, likes burritos as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Grape jelly or strawberry jelly? What is grape Stra- jelly? Strawberry. Ja- that's jam. That's jam, uh, Gary. Jam. That's jam. 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 Strawberry. 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 Marmalade. <laughs> strawberry. Uh, okay. Um, favorite. <laughs> favorite killer clown aside from Pennywise. I like Art the Clown. I know he's new, but I really like him. He's great. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to go with uh, Art. Yeah, wow. I like I like Twisty as well from American Horror Story. Yeah, he's great. Oh, actually, you know, I take I take mine back. Tiny Tim from Blood Harvest. Oh yeah, deep cut. Yeah, that's great. Crusty the Clown. Yeah, actually, I had I had uh, David Howard Thorne on here. Actually, Art the Clown from Terrifier. He was yeah, but like a year and a half that year. look is just so good. I don't know what it is. I, just, I really like. Oh, it. I, I only saw yeah. Terrifier recently, and uh, yeah. that part, the whole thing of him in the um the cafe or whatever. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. so oh, great. And you know, so, uh, I read it Screenbox are getting the sequel out made as an exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah, premiering yeah. it right on Screenbox. Yeah, that's that's because of us. I remember I saw the first like uh, the roads roadshow screening thing they did for Terrifier and nobody expected much because, you know, it was just like this, you know, mm-hmm. bloody, disgusting, whatever thing. Well, and well, uh, Ma- Michael Levy, I'm interrupting you. Yeah, yeah, off, fuzz on the lens. Those are our guys. Yeah. He's in it. And it, it, one of our producers, Michael, he's in it. Yeah. He's also on it. But you can carry on. No, I, I was just I was just saying uh, the, the part where the girl gets sawed in half. We were just oh, like, we yeah. freaking dying. The part where he's just like. You know, laughing the whole yeah. time. It's it's hysterical. These my movements were great. I'm looking really looking forward to the next one. Yeah, I think it's gonna be great. Absolutely. Um, favorite Tim Curry role aside from it. Oh, home Alone. Home Alone too. Yeah, Home Alone yeah. too. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Stolen crazy that was like two. Cards. It's so crazy that was like only two years later too. <laughs> 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 Clue's good as well, Clue, but obviously we only like to one answer. I, I love him in Congo. He plays a Romanian. I'm, yeah. I'm here for Congo. Yeah. Man. He gets his head pulled off by <laughs> one of the gorillas. I like him. I like him. <laughs> when he's got the nipples in. Amy, uh, good gorilla. Amy. Oh, scary movie too. Scary movie too. He's got massive nipples. Like, you I think you should, that. two should be together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I actually like Congo. I think it's a great film, Congo. Oh my god! I I actually, I haven't seen Congo yet. I gotta see that one. I haven't seen that one. Amy, gorilla. Amy, Amy, Amy. The good girl, Cookie Scout, Brownie Scout. Is that loaded with? Oh, National Lampoon's loaded weapons. Wilderness girls. That's the great thing about Tim Curry. He can play these like minuscule roles and makes such a huge impact. And that's the thing they say in the talk, isn't it? It's like if you look, you see these photos all the time of just. Oh my god, he was a wilderness girl. Oh my god, he was darkness. Oh my god, he was Pennywise. Tom Alone too. He's got so many iconic roles, hasn't he? That guy. Yeah, his career just is insane. Um, last item you threw at someone. I'm always throwing stuff at people. Uh, what did I throw at you yesterday, Chris? We were me and Chris ended all day yesterday on the icon. What did I throw at you yesterday? 
apart from a little lift. Hard drive, laptop, yeah, chair, couch. <laughs> no, I can't remember what it was now. Oh, I threw, I threw, I threw today a uh, nut at someone. Somebody gave me a nut in my office at work, and I threw it at someone's head. <laughs> I thought it today. It's funny. They died of an allergy. Yeah. I, that, that was my joke. I said I thought they had nut allergies, so I threw it at him. <laughs> okay. I don't know what the last thing was that I threw, but I always think when he actually I've never had that question asked me. It's not what people ask me all the time, but <laughs> I'll never forget. I thought I'd actually killed my now wife with a pack of pancakes the once. You know, a bit like Dumb and Dumber <laughs> when she throws a snowball at Jeff Daniels yeah. as a joke and he takes it to heart. She did something <laughs> to me for one time and I threw a pack of pancakes, not realizing how hard it went. <laughs> hit the back of her neck and she went down this really doesn't paint a good picture does it she's fine <laughs> but I'll, I'll never forget it's like oh shit I've killed her with how'd you explain that to the police you That's know crazy. I've killed her with some scotch pancakes yeah with some, <laughs> so, some yeah, this you quick can kill someone and eat the evidence <laughs> John throws awesome. your weight around a lot don't you John what's that you throw your weight around a lot don't you <laughs> I throw my weight around yeah yeah. that's a perfect answer uh, what's the, the scariest movie you've ever seen I saw a film hmm. Chris made me. Chris came over it a few years ago. It's mine. And even though I was an adult watching it, it was really creepy. What was that film called? Terrified. Terrified. South really, American one. Yeah, yeah. It was really creepy. Yeah, it was a, the shadow one. But the scariest one was a kid. And it's not the whole film. It's one scene what used to shit me up. And it was, is it Timmy out of Pet Cemetery? Yeah. When he's digging. And oh, he Timmy turned, Baderman. Yeah, oh, I used to fucking scare yeah. me. Fucked me up Zelda. so bad. Him and Zelda, I used to have fucking nightmares about them too. Yeah. Get... And it's such a really weird little scene that Timmy Bateman. He's not in the fucking yeah. remake either. I know he didn't. Yeah. And the deleted scene, he mentioned the story. But it's, so it was Tim and Zelda used to scare the shit out of me. Mm. Yeah. No, I tell, every, I tell everybody that Pet Cemetery and Carrie were the two for me. And they still are. For whatever reason, yeah. I, they just bother me for some weird reason. Hereditary was was really effective too. I thought I thought yeah. it was pretty creepy. But that film mm-hmm. I mentioned about Chris, he was something really strange about it. It was like he was foreign, obviously subtitles. And yeah. that, that, the dead body like, of the kid, isn't it? That's like a yeah, ghost or whatever. It's just sat yeah, at the end of the table yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That was really unnerving. Um, yeah. I'd, yeah, I'll go back to I think I, I feel like I'm going to have said this a million times this month. Chainsaw Massacre because I saw that wait. I think I was eight and it was still banned at the time. My old man put on this ghastly old looking VHS and I yeah. just that was pure terror. I felt that in recent times, it, I, I must I, I not in a big headed way, but I do like I relish in moments where it's like holy shit that scared me because it's hard yeah. to get scared now when you've seen it all. But I'd say the last time I truly t- felt terror was probably the Spanish iteration of uh, Wreck or what was Quarantine in the remake, the American mm. one, the original Spanish one. Yeah. Went to see that in the cinema and I was borderline wanting to snuggle up to my dad wow. in that final two minute sequence with the Madeiros girl in the loft. That absolutely yeah. put the willies at me. What about you, John? I mean, as a kid, Pet Cemetery, like a lot of you guys, um, yeah. or maybe Possession when I first saw that in college. Um, Possession, yeah, geez. Sexy. Yeah. I'd stick with those probably. I mean, that, that really kind of gave me the creeps. There's a really um, weird like connection with like really tragic stuff going on and like the scary elements colliding. Like, mm-hmm. you know, with Pet yeah. Cemetery, for whatever reason, like that's that's what yeah. makes that so impactful, I think. It's just, it's really it's depressing. <laughs> we all went, when we were shooting, I think, was it the Robert Englund doc? We all, uh, John got us along to um, a screening of Pet Cemetery uh, with oh, Mary yeah, Lambert. I forgot about, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And um, I, I'll be I'll be completely honest, Gary and I. Well, I thought, it, and you're right. It's Pet Cemetery is incredible. I think in terms of its emotional impact. But Gary yeah. and I, you know, typical bad sense of humor. But everyone was clapping at the start every time the credits came up on the screen because obviously they were in attendance. Just like you know, yeah. produced by, hey, written by, hey, <laughs> and then we were doing that. We we're just going along with it. We we're a bit more conservative in that respect as press. And then we kind of did this joke. It's like, oh, should we clap when Gabe, get, uh, Gabe gets knocked over by the yeah. truck? <laughs> like, you know, hey! <laughs> you know, bit crap. But I will say, actually, watching it, though, you kind of like, obviously, we didn't do it. We're not that bad. But um, to be fair, <laughs> when you watch it, you're like, fuck, man, this, this film is emotionally, like, yeah. killing. And it is a really good film. I think it's it's definitely yeah. one of my favourite um, Stephen it's, King adaptations. It's so much in that film, because even, like, what's, you know, what's a chap who, the ghost, Pascal, Pascal? Yeah. He's, scared. he's not yeah. meant to be, but he's just that brain hanging out of his head. And as oh, a kid, crazy. visual images. And again, you, you you know, you look like, you know, Pennywise. There's not a lot of scary, scary moments in the original. It is a really, um, compared to look at, you know, when did, when did Pet Sematary come out? 89, was it? Pet 89, 89, yeah. yeah. I know it's obviously yeah. made for TV. Uh, you know, it was, it was a movie as opposed to made for TV. But um, so many visuals in that film, I think, which is so creepy, you know. But anyway, I actually let's do, doc- I, let's do a documentary about it. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Unearthed and Untold. <laughs> I actually just got to visit the locations of Pet Cemetery and Jaws in the last couple of weeks. But when I went to visit the house from Pet Cemetery, it was like super foggy and it was like really? ex- extra creepy. And uh, nice. John, I'm sure you've been there. I was like shocked to find oh, out a bunch, that, yeah. that the, the pet cemetery is right behind like a plaza. You have to like walk down that road to get to it. Yeah. 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 The that, hotel. Yeah. Yeah. It's like super, super small area. Honestly, it's not as big as you would think. Back in the, back in the eighties, it was all woods and then they developed it. And oh, it was, the Walmart okay. was not, the Walmart was not there in 88. I'll just put Interesting. it that way. Okay, yeah. cool. I, I went to Mark's and Spencer's yesterday with Chris. You did? Well done, Gary. <laughs> Special trip out that was. You know, Mark, you know, Mark's events is there, yeah. So any British people are laughing their heads off, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Crickets. That was literally. time already. Jesus. What's the best line from Pennywise and it? Oh, why are you doing this to us? Ah. Oh. Uh, no, no, wait. I was going to jump right into one. And, no, Kiss me, fat boy. I was going to think. I was going to say that, G. Kiss me, fat boy. That, yeah. I mean, or that's beat, a great one. Beat, 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 beat. I, I think mine is take your pick, but, but. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's probably my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then let's see. What is your favorite moment from the miniseries? Like maybe like a favorite, you know? I like, I like when uh, the. The old lady turns into the decaying yeah. dad. I think that's fucking that's crazy. Miss, Mrs. Kirsch. Yeah, Mrs. Kirsch. Yeah, Miss Kirsch. Oh, and he's just because he was actually again, yeah. you know, talking about he was a scary character as a kid, I thought, the dad. Oh, very he, much so. Yeah. Human being, be, you know. I oh, remember uh, I remember being a kid not known, <laughs> you would have known about child abuse stuff like that, as a child, yeah. thankfully. Uh, and I remember watching being really kind of like concerned about him. Yeah. He play, and and mm. I love Frank. The guy who played in Frank, he was brilliant, you know. Was just yeah. And he it was, was and, and he, you know, he was completely opposite. His interview as well, actually. Yeah. 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 He, yeah. he is the opposite, but I think there's a oh, little yeah. kernel of something oh, there. Yeah. 
which oh. you'll see more in the special features, I think. There's that one little yeah. part where it's a bit like, oh, oh yeah. there's something going on <laughs> to Max here. Yeah. I think we utilised the cutaway, didn't we? Um, but I, I think I'll agree with Gary. I think the parts that get me the most in terms of... It's, yeah, no, I'm going to say it's it's Miss Kirsch. That is that mm. that moment is just like ah, that's easily the scariest moment for me. That and actually the mummy used to scare me a bit as well. Actually, I'm sorry, yeah. taking over. What used to scare me as a kid was when uh, uh, what's his name, Bouch, comes back in the prison cell and he's all like zombified under the bed. Mm. You know, when holding yeah. about and that's creepy because the lighting on that and he's just that kind of like decaying face. Yeah. And again, he looks better. With the sort more sort of makeup he did in the new film, it's like his jaws hanging off. He's like, he looks so much better. I think it's just creepy and Bouch mm. is creepy anyway, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't know what about him. He's just weird. When he burped in our face in real life, that was creepy. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't liked the silly like little gag stuff, like the like the balloons popping with the blood. Like that's yeah. super cool. Mm. And I, I'm a huge fan of the the part where he comes out of the bathroom tile. Like that's mm. just crazy. Yeah. yeah. What, the performance has creeped me out as a kid. When little Eddie goes back and he grabs him with the, the Pennywise hand, you know, that, that freaked yeah. me out as a kid. Yeah. yeah. She and, wanted and some licorice. She just wanted a little licorice, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you want a cigar and some licorice. <laughs> licorice. <laughs> how many moments you know, but you actually forget. I know we've done documentary on it, but you forget, don't you, how many kind of really kind of like creepy moments are in that? Yeah. We should do a documentary on it. Oh, we have. <laughs> <laughs> What's your uh, favorite non-it Stephen King film adaptation? What's well, pet cemetery? John's Pet Cemetery, I'm sure. I do like the show. I've grown to like The Shining more and more over the years. I love mm. The Shining. It's sacrilegious, but yeah, The Shining, the film itself to me is just, I know the, the book's good, but yeah. uh, the film is just, it's one of those ones that gets better with every viewing, I think. Well, I love the time you watch it, like, oh, there's not much to it. I love but it. It's just, it's, well. it, Sorry, Chris. Yeah. Sorry. I'm a I love the stand years. Yeah. Mm. I just, yeah. I, I actually quite like the remake of the stand. I thought that was quite good, to be honest, the new, yeah. you know, the new one. Yeah. I love the stand. I, I love Nightflyer. You guys ever seen Nightflyer? Yeah. With, uh, what, uh, Miguel uh, Ferrer. With Miguel Ferrer. Yeah. That, that movie needs a Blu ray. That movie's actually really great, I think. Yeah. For what yeah. it is. always tries to get me on to Nightflyer, actually. She's What's got a copy. I'll make sure I nab it off her. I like the one with the rats. Graveyard Shift, is it? Graveyard Shift, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Good. Yeah, I like that one. I like the cover on that yeah. one, too. Yeah, I think that was Stephen King. There's so many or Salem's Lot, actually. Oh, I, I, do, I do like the original Salem's Lot. I could see, like, Scream Factory putting out Night Flyer, probably, or something. That's a good one. I'm surprised it hasn't happened. It might be a rights issue. I don't know, but I think a lot of people... I love that movie. I think it's really great. Good, yeah. Vampire makeup's really good as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's Greg Nicotero, yeah. K&B Effects. All yeah. those guys did that, yeah. Legend, yeah. Are you guys a fan of Trick or Treat by any chance? Like the, the rock movie? Who you what? I haven't actually seen it. Is that with Ozzy Osbourne? Yeah, yeah, that like Gene Simmons, Ozzy Osbourne. I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Because no. no, it's one of those things where when you go searching on the shelves, it's next to Trick or Treat, the anthology yeah. one. You always see that one next to it. That one's coming to Blu-ray. They haven't announced it yet, but that's just like a cool little tidbit if you're a fan of it. Nice. Um, spoiler. What's something you got in trouble for in high school? Uh, it probably be a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was good. I was good. I was more naughty at home. <laughs> no, I was good at I was good at school, but naughty at home. That was the weird thing about me. I, I was kind of mm. horrible at home, but good at school. Yeah, I was just always the one that got caught out. And then tail would be between legs. But if I had to say, probably my favorite one, which was kind of funny at the time, but terrifying, 
is uh, one of my science teachers who my mum actually knew called um, Dr. Russ. She looked like, uh, she was a heavy smoker. She looked like um, Uncle Fester in Adam's Family Values. You know, when he's got the blonde oh wig? My God. She had the same haircut. <laughs> and she'd be like, oh, lovely and sweet and intelligent. Oh, hello, my darlings. Yeah, get off it. Like she would switch like that. And one time she stunk a smoke. She did a litmus paper test uh, for like acid alkaline. Acid alkaline. Yeah. And she said to the class, she's like, when I breathe on this bit of paper now, what's uh, what colour do you think it'll turn out? And I just could it was like it was like reflex. I just went brown because she stunk a smoke. And oh mate, you, you could have heard a pin drop. And it felt like oh what was God. probably a millisecond, felt like an eternity of like fuck. Wow. And then I was stood in the corridor for the duration of the lesson. And then the head of science went walked past me and she was quite stern and she went, What are you doing out in the corridor? And I went, Oh, I I Shouted out brown when uh, Dr. Russ said, what colour will the litmus paper turn out when she breathed on it? And she just went, <laughs> and walked off. That's, That's probably incredible. my highlight of getting out the Aston school. <laughs> I was I was actually a really fat baby, like incredibly ginormous fat baby. Oh, and my, uh, my family used to call me Uncle Fester, apparently, because I looked like <laughs> that. I was, I was balling you know like super fat. When you first came on, I looked at you and I thought Uncle Fester. Yeah, I know. Of course. Uh, yeah. David Yeah. The lecture. <laughs> um, all right. What's uh? Or actually, John, did you have one? Did anything happen? I can't really to you think in high of school? one, man. I can't think of one. I was, you're just, I was, you're just a class clown. Yeah. I was. Yeah, I was just getting in trouble for stupid stuff. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Nothing um, memorable. All right, last couple here. Horror movie you're looking forward to seeing most in 2022? Probably be Halloween ends. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very curious happens, about it. Yeah, I want to see how it finishes. You know what I mean? And I just want to see how what we do. Yeah, yeah. I hope they end it. Uh, well. I hear that. I hear that John um, Nick Castle is going to be uh, unmasked in it as well, isn't he? So oh, yeah, probably. Mm. But, uh, but he might be paying obviously a fake Michael Myers might have something like that. About it, they? So yeah, interesting about the second one, aren't they? Yeah, but say there was a lot I was looking forward to, but that's now going to be. I was like, going to say, yeah, they moved it. it. Yeah, next year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, April, I think. So I said I should have seen Salem's Lot last week. Actually, the new one, I got like one of those advanced screening things, and I just didn't go. <laughs> kind Lazy. of feel stupid no. for doing that, but yeah. Where are you going, Chris? I'm just. I've realised I need to add some charge to my phone, so keep talking. <laughs> okay. Um, but actually, I did. I was actually. I'm not supposed to say because you like signed the NDA or whatever. But I did see the new Evil Dead movie. I was in the first audience for it, <gasps> and let right. me tell you, eh? it's fucking incredible. It is so good. Really? Wow. Yeah. Nice. And I, I was not even like. I was like, okay, this might be cool, but like, yeah, people when's were literally that, cheering. When's that? When's, when's that? You next year? Is that? No, I think I think actually October. It's coming straight to HBO Max. They haven't announced a date yet, but it's doing so well. And I figured before mm. they even announced that it was doing well, that it was probably going to go theatrically. And now, just the other day, Bruce Campbell said like it, it, the test screenings did so well that it's probably going to go to theaters. Holy shit! Oh, um, okay, yeah, it's a toss yeah. up between that and Halloween Ends for me. I think. Then look forward to it because it's literally all like practical. It's it's so sick. Oh, amazing! Wow, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Um, so what's a dream project you'd like to work on? It's about jinxing it, isn't it? That's, that's fine. Because we've got to start pitching soon. So probably, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, I th- I, John, I, John and I kind of recently 
answered questions like that, didn't we, on that um, oh, yeah. one of the interviews we've done. And <clears throat> I think kind of like, just to sort of flesh it out a bit as an answer, maybe I'll come to a point, but it's like, we, obviously I think we're more than aware, most of us now, that like the, the whole retrospectives on all, everyone's favourite cult films, that well is kind of starting to dry up, you know, in terms of IPs that haven't, been done already so Friday 13th don't bother Halloween's because of Screen Factory there's no point venturing down there Yeah. so I think for me in terms of like things you know actually it's been quite refreshing to do this Robert Englund documentary about a person and it, it kind of it means there's a bit less limitations as well like oh, it's yeah it's not as restrictive is it I think is mm. right same boys in terms of you're not like oh it has to be this person about that scene and that you know and it's a bit broader and you've got we've got people like Mick Garris and uh, David Del Vale we've got Eli Roth and everything talking about him so everyone can have at it in terms of you know striking it I think the only other thing would be something like if it was to be a singular film it'd have to be either something that's a trouble production which is a bit like Island of Lost uh, oh, what's it called Lost Souls the one about that Island of Dr. Moreau because that was really interesting or an unmade film, a la um, Jodorowsky's June. Um, and there's definitely one I've got in my head of like unmade films, which would be really cool. Like the idea of like maybe assembling something that, you know, this film never existed, but if you watch the documentary, it's almost like, you know, you've tried patching the film back together, if that makes sense, through concept art, storyboards. I think that would be a really exciting uh, uh, venture to go on. I want to do one about Indiegogo campaigns. <laughs> and tribulations of, of, of Indiegogo <laughs> and raise the money on Indiegogo just all the raise interviews money. are people that face backlash <laughs> the backlash yeah the backlash <laughs> and I'm going to interview some of the pledges obviously they're going to be silhouetted to hide their identity yeah Chris, you have awesome. to contribute towards it just interview the people that face the backlash and then interview the people that are like all pissed because <laughs> they didn't get yeah, their yeah. that'd be <laughs> yeah. so funny yeah, that, that'll be interesting. Uh, what are you guys most proud of? Ooh. Oh, so much. I think what we've achieved is, is, I mean, John's come on board obviously the last few years for us, but I think and John is a key part of Court Screens, he is, you know, but I think what we've achieved with Court Screens in the last 10 years, you know, in terms of obviously the docs and the books, the commentaries we've done, yeah. you know, the collaboration we've done with, you know, people like John got him on board with us. The friendships with me, I'm sorry, really, I'm, you know, we're like, you know, in the UK, we're from very kind of humble backgrounds, you know, our friends would never have dreamt of doing this. You know, I had Freddy Krueger posts from my wall as a kid. Yeah, I'd never yeah. have dreamt of meeting Robert England and becoming friendly with him. I'd never meant, dreamt yeah. of becoming really, really close to Don Kaufer from Eternal Living Dead. You know, he was like family yeah. to us before he passed away. So, yeah. I'm just proud of all that. I'm proud, obviously, that we 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 took a risk ten years ago, mm-hmm. and this is the result of that risk, really. And you know, it's it's been hard, it's been stressful. I wanted to kill these two numerous times. <laughs> I wanted to shave John's head numerous times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think the journey we've been on, and that's really getting cliche. That's what I'm proud of the journey that yeah. we've, we've managed to survive. There's been a lot of victims <laughs> through yeah. our. We've got rid of a lot of people who've come on board. John's yeah. managed to survive for five years or six years. <laughs> a few people haven't survived. Uh, yeah. They've pushed off that train. Um, now I'm proud. And I'm, I'm ultimately proud of Pennywise now because it's our first yeah. official 
worldwide distribution where our company names out there and our names as directors and producers and writers incredible are, are finally there you know we've been doing this stuff for a long time and yeah that's yeah it's like a bit of a resurgence isn't it really i think yeah. you know 10 years we've been doing it and then it, it feels like you know there's probably been a hiatus in amongst that time i have actually acknowledged you know to the, the missus like quite funny isn't it? it's like i'm working with gary again We've been friends right the way through, <laughs> but actually collaborating again on projects. I think, the, you know, hopefully, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but I think the wheels are finally kind of greased a bit now with all the projects. In light of jumping on board with Screenbox, mm-hmm. you know, we've kind of started to make some connections and it's, it's hopefully going to be a bit of a shift in gear for us now with all our projects. And I think the limitations we faced all of us throughout all of this, and, you know, with the time issues is that, you know, we did Hellraiser nearly, well, nearly 10 years ago, we started that. And there was always that thing like, next year, we'll be doing this full time. I definitely remember Gary throwing me that smoke. And you're like, yeah. And then, oh, okay, that didn't happen. Fright night, it happened after this one. No, we've all still got like full-time jobs. So that's where, you know, hopefully in terms of, addressing like you know people complaining how long it takes at the moment we're, we're working our nine to fives in some cases it exceeds that and then to get these projects then it's like right i'm gonna have to work till two o'clock so at the moment i'm probably averaging about one two o'clock a night finish john knows this john knows yeah. the score with the latter part of pennywise so i think hopefully it's just that sense that wow jesus it is all starting to pay off and we're hopefully gonna yeah. it's gonna be a nice little run for us over the course of the next year or two in terms of <laughs> some back catalogue titles that have been waiting for some time and um, new fresh yeah, prospects basically no it's just amazing you guys have stuck with it for so long are there are there more plans for more screenings of the film yeah we we, uh, we have the theatrical rights to uh, cool. Pennywise we managed to retain that again working for some time amazing so uh, I know John's been spearheading some of those, obviously in the states, and he did. We obviously did some one in Australia. I'd like to do a couple in the UK. I had actually interest today, actually, from somebody who runs cool. cinemas in uh, Scotland, actually, and he was interested yeah. in doing a, a couple of one-off screen, well, one-off, but there's a couple, a couple of screens yeah. in cinemas in mm. Scotland. Uh, obviously, I won't be inviting John or Chris. Um, uh, no, I haven't told him about it yet, but yeah, I think so. I think it's weird. To <laughs> I think it's weird of a documentary, I think, you know, having screens of it because it's very niche again. It's like it's John said, you know, we were yeah. really happy with the Boston ones and it was it was a small cinema and it was great it was filled. But if we put Pennywise now out on a theatrical run, I, you know, I feel that Pennywise is the kind of thing you, you're going to go home and binge. You're going to you have a nice break. You know what I mean? I think yeah. unless you're a hard, unless you're a big fan of the, fran- the, the, the you know, the, the property, yeah. Would you go and watch it? So it's really fixed nice people's homes and also Blu-ray for me. I think collectors are going to love having that physical copy of it. So, I mean, I think the screens are nice. It'd be nice to just go to a couple. But I don't yeah. know, John, John. John's very much leading, obviously, the, the US one. So I'm yeah. sure he'll be contacted by people who want to do screenings. I, yeah, I, have I, think, a there's in... one line, I think there's one lined up in Bangor, Maine. Oh, yeah. sick, yeah. I'll totally Maybe one in Phoenix. I'm not sure where those those stand. but um, Bangor would be big. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, Callan, to answer your question about like what being proud of, I mean, I think to echo Gary, like it's nice to be at a point where we've done a few films that are really well received. And I think that we've all done a really good job of like maintaining good relationships and even friendships in some cases with these people that we've worked with that like as we work on new projects and we need favors or we need to reach out to people, it's nice that 
you know, we've got a good reputation. We haven't burned bridges. We haven't, you know, yeah. it's like, cause it's a pretty small community relatively speaking. And so it's nice to, to know that, you know, we've got a lot of allies in the industry that we can lean on for certain things as we need stuff for new projects. Um, yeah. Keep them in your circle. Yeah. Or we can point to projects and say, Hey, well, look at this that we did. This is out. And you know, you can be proud of it, you know, and yeah. um, hopefully it opens doors, you know, when people have met us yeah. on projects, they I mean, no, we're not just in it to make money. We're not because we don't make any money, but I think it's pretty obvious. <laughs> when we engage with people on interview, we've had people come at interviews where they've been very cold and then within a few minutes, they're like our friends because it's, they can see that we actually care. And yeah. this is a passion project. And, you know, everything we've done so far in the last 10 years has been films that we love what we want to do that we want to see i think that translates really strongly i think on the final project but also with the cast and crew one day i imagine what will happen we'll be asked to do stuff which would be different kind of you know kind of route for us really you know being asked to do a project which maybe we're not too familiar with which might be actually more interesting for us um so you know i think as you said, John just said that it's, I'm really proud that we're friends. Like again, with you know your Brandons and your Barts and your Tom Hollands and your Steve Johnsons and Simon Bamfords and Ken Cranhams. You know these people who you grew up with. You can email and you know, Brian Cox. You know even though we've, we've, we haven't done a documentary with him per se, we've done a featurette with him for Manhunter. He helped us massively with 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 Hellraiser. You know he knew people like Andrew Robinson and, you know, and other projects he's got involved with, not publicly, just kind of, you know, we messaged him and said, Brian, we need to get hold of so-and-so. And he goes, here's your email. I'll do an introduction. For someone, the guy in, from Succession doing that for us, you know, yeah. he's kind of, but that's because we've built relations, like John said, you know, and I think there's a passion there, which people see. We're not in it to make money. We're not just going to create a few documentaries <laughs> just to make cash and just to run off with it. You know, we're in it for the long haul, really. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. Keep those relationships. That's so important. Yeah. Uh, where can your, your fans find you? Like Instagram, like anybody Prism. Like Prism. Instagram Maybe. handles, not, not your addresses, <laughs> not your pinpoints, but like 22 Avenue on. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're pretty easy. That's awesome. We're very, we're very easy to find. Obviously we're connected obviously on Twitter. Obviously, you know, I think most of us are names, John Campion, Piano, Gary Smart, obviously Chris Griffiths. Yeah. The projects we're connected to, each one's got a Facebook page uh, and an Instagram page, you know, Pennywise Doc, Robo Doc, yeah. as I call Brewster. They're all pages out there. And then you can find some there, you know, we don't hide from people. You know, we, we very much engage with the fans. Yeah, very Even much. haters we engage with, you know, you've got to, I think, because we, you know, we, you know, if you just disappear and run, we need people long term. You know, we need people to be on our side. So, you know, we constantly engage with people as much as we can, you know, and yeah. which is realistically possible. Uh, so, yeah, we're not hard to find. You yeah. can go on, you know, uh, there's lots of kind of, Chris has got an OnlyFans page. Chris has. Oh, I was just about yeah. to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Love> <laughs> that moment. Are you into feet? <laughs> I, I am into feet, yes. Perfect. Cool. It's OnlyFans.com <laughs> forward slash micro. Oh, here we go. Coupon code Pennywise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, get, you get a free um, jerk off video if you, if you put in um, Pennywise. <laughs> With Tim Curry lines in the background. <laughs> you can pledge 10 pounds. <laughs> you get videos of me going, <laughs> John's got one where he wears a costume as well when he's doing it, so even better. That's incredible. You can't afford that one, though. 
<laughs> well, thank you guys so much for your time, dude. Like this is this is the, one of the coolest interviews I've ever done. Uh, I wish you guys nothing but the best with the film as it continues to reach more people, and I just hope everybody goes out and screams it or streams it, screams it, whatever on Screambox right now. So, congrats, okay. you guys. Uh, thank you very Thanks, much, man. Right? Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, it was nice having John on again too. Nice to see, you, man. Likewise, dude. Appreciate the support. It's nice to meet you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, awesome, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for your time. Uh, have a great rest of your day. You too. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Take care, guys. Cheers, guys.